This is Euphoria episode 14. Now, as a heads up before we start, uh, of course, we are available on YouTube, iTunes, as well as SoundCloud, most Android podcast apps. Pull from SoundCloud, as a reminder, because there's a lot of people asking, how can they get it on their phone? This is the final episode of Euphoria for the season. We will be back in June, but Fisher is going to take some much needed time off. I know we took that little break in the middle, but don't worry. We will be back to talk about the preseason. For Always ULCS blaming soon. me. It's true. Yeah. I'm Daniel Drake. Drake is definitely not going on holiday. Also going on holiday. I mentioned that. And this is DeFishio. Now we have two very special guests today. Uh, Terrible players. They are awful players, but luckily they do not play professionally. They are commentators for their respective region. We are joined by Froskerin from the LPL and Papa Smithy from the LCK. Welcome, both of you. How are you feeling? Keep in mind, we just got done with the Tuesday broadcast day, the final day of groups. Now, I did nothing here, but these fine people worked all day. So how's how's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling good? That was like a 5 a.m. I was up and then on the shuttle by 7 a.m. What time is it now? On the podcast it's at 9 a.m. Yeah, we're finally hitting that NA time slot. They're always so excited about here in Europe. Look, all I have learned from the LCK this season is that you put on the smile. It's the greatest game since the last game. Every game matters. And here's the best thing about the Euphoria podcast. Uh You don't have to put on a smile because no one can see you. You can actually look angry entire broadcast long. I'm actually doing this naked, so. That's true. I don't know why. You it's kind of strange, like but we did know, respect not to you. Hey, you said get comfortable. We're getting comfortable. <laughs> That's fair. Immediately the pants had to come off. <laughs> Strip podcast. We do have a couch in here in case anything else. Uh... Oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> but not a costume couch. No, right? not a couch. No. It could oh, easily be a costume couch this wait, wait, time. Wait, so we're costers with a couch. We're casters yes. with a couch. Uh-huh. Yes. It's red. Okay? It's not black. It All is right. a red couch. <laughs> red couch. Got it. You're anyway. an awful host. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the host. Well, kind of, but Daniel Drake called me is an the awful host. host. Not you. I thought you flamed me. It's not always about you. I thought you came to my home and started flaming Literal me. narcissism. Okay. What's now, our topic? This Daniel? episode is no, going this on. So no, here's, the thing about, here's the thing about players that I love is they just wait. They wait until I ask them a question. Calm down. My turn to talk. Okay. Now the thing that me and Warren wanted to do is is kind of give you guys a chance to to tell us a little bit about your histories um, because. Some people have heard these stories, and I don't want, like, the long story. This isn't the the deep dive on Frostgren and Papa Smitty, but give us a little, little TLDR on... Can I tell Papa's story and he tell mine? Yes, That'd actually. That's a great oh, idea. That, I don't know <laughs> if I could do that. Uh, uh, well, Frostgren, you can go first, then. Tell us the story of Papa Smithy. So the great Papa Smithy is this gentle man that you see of the LCK. Now, he has cast every single LCK game, and before that, he actually has a background in the LPL. He's known for his soothing vocals and his ability to just lull you into the epicness and the weaving of narrative that are the magnificent uh, LCK games. Lulled into epicness. Where did lulled his casting career start? It started actually in Oceania. When? In 2013? Uh, more like 2012, but close enough. Wasn't it 2013 star, uh, Stars Wars League? It's actually earlier than that. That's the international stage. Well, that's when I watched Papa. I used to watch Papa growing up. I did too. Fun fact. Uh, the extremely old school hardcore fans will remember a game where oh, there was he cast a the Heimerdinger jungle. Yeah, that was that was me. That went completely crazy. Played by Pooh Mandu. And it was Papa Smithy and Pastry Time that actually casted it back then. And they broke the game. They did break the game. That was the Heimerdinger jungle, the support flexing. That team, Laoji, ended up becoming Samsung Blue, of course, went on to bigger and better things. See, I'm already lulled. 
She did a pretty good job. And I then, of course, that. you moved into the LPL when you started casting again. Yeah, it was a lot later. Uh, we wanted to get into the LPL. I remember hearing that it was starting, the whispers of LPL, you know, as an equivalent to NA and EU LCS. But as I'm sure uh, Indiana or Foscarone has found, it, a lot, it was definitely initially very difficult to convince China of the value of the English broadcast. Obviously, only became full-time in 2015. So that was actually kind of a re-entry into casting. I had a bit of a sabbatical in 2014 when I didn't really cast anything. I did a couple of Azubu hey. TV VOD reviews with oh, Monte Cristo. Those are lost to time. <laughs> but uh, 2015 spring, that was when I guess my full-time casting career Yeah, started. but imagine a world. There was actually like a big period where you were unsure if you were actually going to make it as a caster. Like there was a there was definitely a timeline where we didn't have Big Papa. And I think this is, yeah, I mean, you both, Fruskeran and I, kind of come from that background of amateur casting in very early days of League of Legends where... You know, people coming in now, they have their goal, right? LCS, full-time casting. And there's almost more of like a track record for it because we have open, you know, not, not, not tryouts, but, you know, you throw yourself out there. There is a job position that you can that, apply exactly. for. Exactly. You're, you're starting a passion, but there are existing permanent jobs casting it. Whereas back in those days, it was really passion. And the first kernel of it being even just paying gigs, let alone a full-time job, was... Months and months and hour, hundreds of hours of casting later. Working for exposure, good old days, and the love of the job, of course. Now, Pop, I need to introduce... I know, uh, that's what I'm going to say, Pops. I want to hear the story of Froskorin. Uh Dramatic reading, please, of the Froskorin story. <laughs> you were talking about lolling into this narrative. I want to hear the narrative of Froskorin. Oh. Sell me on Froskorin. Oh, please, no. <laughs> I think the world needed time to be sold on Froskorin. <laughs> um... <laughs> Funnily enough, I can tell the story of my first exposure to uh, Froskuren was when I was in Korea. This was 2014, so um, way before I, I took a position with OGN and, and Cast League of Legends there. I was there for the 2014 spring final, just on holiday. I actually had a job interview with OGN that went well, but the position didn't end up happening and uh, w went to watch the final. I was a big Samsung Blue fan because of the history with Mandu and, and GSG and all those sort of things. They had the other players from the roster like Hart on their roster. And I was staying at uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named, Monte Cristo's house. Nice little small house, sleeping on the floor. You didn't it was... tell Papa something not to name him for the record. Just for <laughs> the record. says he should not be named. <laughs> That's way funnier if people think that we it's call like a complete here. contraband name. But uh, it's on the band. I was I was on his floor sleeping. It was Got myself, it. Thorin, another dame, was, was there. James there. And yes, James Chen, Obscurica, one of the uh, one of the uh, he was definitely very big in the kind of Twitter sphere back then and stuff. But still around now. Uh, we were all sleeping there, and we um, he had, had his big TV on, and we saw this broadcast was on Games in Asia, I believe it was called, and Froskiran was doing English language broadcasting back then. And kind of everyone went around the television and was like, wow, there's a girl casting, because that was quite novel at the time. And uh, we, instantly, she was the analyst. That was clear. And she was very good already. Raw, obviously, like we all were. Like I listened back to that Heimerdinger jungle cast, and I'm like, <laughs> man, how bad was I? But, uh, <laughs> but there was undeniable talent there. And that was obviously a long time before she was kind of uncovered to the world. It was like 26 viewers. It was the LPL. How was she uncovered to the world, possibly? What do you say was her big I introduction would say, to the uh, world? I would say Thorin did a favor there, too. There was a certain... Uh, 
some oh, yeah. video <laughs> podcast no. that. Uh, Wait, let's talk about you. That really, one. you really. I feel like the European fans. We are recording this in Europe. Really, I talk to you about quickly. This and tell this they completely. Quickly. They they do not remember that moment. She had some brash things to say about certain household names. Let's recap what was said, and Frost, you can get to explain. Uh, Frostcorn pointed out that Yellowstar, uh-huh. a fanatic back then, could only play Leona. That was not the statement. I literally Excuse said- Excuse me, we're telling you <laughs> what you said. <laughs> this is what she you, said. You signed up, hold on. You signed up for Papa Smithy to tell your story. You have to deal, I'm sorry, this was your idea, Frost. Go on, go on. So far, how I remember it. And after she said the Leona statement, she also said, I hate all European fans <laughs> and uh-huh, teams. Uh-huh. Oh, God, yeah, that, that part really- And after that- I mean, you censored that. You cleaned that one up. It was much I rougher than very, that. Very, I think I used the word monster several times in organic. Whoa. We, we, Maybe. Are yeah. we allowed to say that on this broadcast? No, you guys can actually say anything on this podcast. Nice. This is me and Drake are talking. Uh, Frost, what happened? <laughs> I, My exact statement was, when I think of Leona, I think of... Or, <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing you couldn't say. <laughs> go, go again. Go, you're Try fine. again. You're fine. When I think of Yellowstar, I think of his Leona because I was a huge fan of him. And it, back in the world, it was like that was the champion that he played. In fact, when uh, we later on did a feature for him, his signature champion, one of them was Leona. But yes, his most played champion of that split, I believe, was Thresh and Morgana. And that's what people, they're like, she doesn't know anything. She doesn't even know what his most Because all I was trying to say is I thought of his playmaking ability, but obviously my phrasing was fucked. God damn it. <laughs> my phrasing was not very good at the time, and you can see it's not gotten much better. <laughs> so, so I think, like, to once again explain myself as Froskuren in this particular nom de plume, I think very early, like, that interview, it's a very different side of Froskuren. Like, she's, I think, I think people really don't know both of us to some degree, right? They take nods from the broadcast. Thank God for that. Well, <laughs> skeletons and closet, you know, <laughs> all those sort of things. Like, I think Froskirin would agree that back then she was kind of how you all are when you're a up-and-coming caster. You know, you're in a region that's not in the limelight and certainly the LPL was not back then. And you feel like you are in a fight for relevance. And I think, you know, you, you look back at that content, that's a very different side. Oh, I cringe of when I look back at it. <laughs> Very much, oh, she was. I think she was taking ourselves. nods from the other big content creators mm-hmm. at the time, which were Monty, which were Thorin, where you had to be brash with your personality. Otherwise, yeah. why would anyone listen to you? And while, sure, you were definitely misquoted, the big surprise for me when I actually got to meet Froskuren is that uh, I don't know if this is allowed to be admitted on a podcast, but uh, not quite as uh, loud and in your face or as like harsh <laughs> as she comes across on the uh, on some of those earlier. On those early tell, tell her that Disney animation is really bad. I'm trying to use. We're it trying now. to get out of here within three hours. <laughs> that Dracos. is a good point. Now, uh, funny enough to tag on to Papa Smith's story um, from a Riot perspective, I, I remember joining Riot obviously in 2014, and during that year we were watching some of the LPL games back then, uh, which didn't have um, their own real broadcast. So it was uh, Pyra. And Frost casting LPL. Yeah, this was months after right, my first exposure right, right. to her. And it was uh, Kelsey Moser uh, who was producing the show, yep. uh, if I remember 100% correctly. And the finals where I really noticed Pyra and Frost at the same time was when you guys went to America to cast the finals of LPL Twitch Spring. Studio, I think it was. Yep, we went to the Twitch studio in San Francisco. Yeah, so that was kind of the first official 
LPL final. I think a lot of English viewers uh, got to watch, and of course, Pyra uh, ended up moving to the ULCS, mm -hmm. I believe, Almost half a year. directly after, because we got the cease and desist. Right, okay, so he ended up moving over very quickly I'll there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and for us, obviously, you continued doing the LPL, but I believe then Riot started producing the LPL from Australia, and yeah. that's kind of where you jumped in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I effectively took uh, Papa's spot when he shifted over to the LCK, so thanks, Papa. People didn't know, but uh, in that first split where Fruskerin wasn't directly involved, she was involved in kind of a like a consultant, consultant status. I guess that's the right way I was going to say contractor, but consultant status. She would like, it was her, her and Kelsey would help us with kind of like... Team prep. Team prep, and especially with the smaller teams. Mm -hmm. And Raz was actually involved as well, ironically, uh, for the LSBL teams to kind of brief us because he was always a bit of an expert on the, the secondary league. So all three who were kind of synonymous with China content were still involved in, in paid uh, positions, but not obviously exactly what they were looking for, which was the casting side. See, I see this guy getting antsy. He's like, we want, we're here to talk about MSI, but I'm like, you're getting quality content I right now. I think the casting part is also very interesting, not the that... I uh, don't want to talk about MSI personally, but I think... <laughs> to be fair, we, we are a little bit biased. We spent many hours today talking about MSI. <laughs> we did. We did, and we had a great ending to the day. And you guys got to cast the ending. We did. That was a fun set. I don't know. Fisher, cast, Freak, and I so. doing five games. <laughs> yeah. and it was very clear from the start there'd be at least one tiebreaker, and yeah has to end with EU versus NA. And it, it was also a day that confirmed for me that something has happened with my body, and I'm not really sure why it happened. Okay, wait. Are we taking a break oh, for this, or are we discussing so, it on so, air? Okay, what's going on? Do we want to know? No, I see. The I thing is, is this is actually what people tune in for, is he has at least one of these stories in episode. Okay, I'm excited so, now. So, there was a time when I could cast a full best of five without going to the bathroom oh, even God. once. <laughs> Wow, you were stallion. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I could just keep going. So bottles on the uh, desk. Yeah, I mean, it just... <laughs> anyway, I didn't need to go to the bathroom. But now, and I'm only 26, so it's clearly not because I'm getting older. I'm older than you? Uh, there we go. Official on the podcast now. But after every single game, I have to almost run to the bathroom because I don't know what it is. I don't even drink that much during the game. I'm, I'm the same. I mean, we have eight and a half minutes in Korea, so there's obviously a lot more time. Sometimes you probably have to run a lot, but I mean, that's just... What happened? Is it like a mental thing? That my brain is like, oh, your game is starting. I'm pretty you sure have to it's go a to the bladder bathroom. thing. It's a bladder thing. Yeah, yeah, but and it must be more your bladder is telling your brain it's time to go to the bathroom and you're listening because you, you were so excited about EU playing later Can in the day. Can men do Kegel exercises? Oh, I... This is... Okay, now, now. we've gone so far. <laughs> you know, it's weird that we draw the line there, but I think that's where we're going to draw the line. Anyway, uh, I'm glad to know Papa Smithy has the same issue. It is true. Yeah, so if you're a new caster and you're looking for advice, don't... don't Start with bladder control. Start, start with bladder control. If you have problems with that, uh, it may stop your chance to be hired. Papa Frost, as long as you don't have to go during the game, that's well true. Fine. You just got to be able to make it up to an hour max, friend. Hey, so ninety-four minutes the dream, is, Daniel. True, I, was that that I would have actually had to take a bottle on the side and be like, "Look away, don't judge me." <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on, but that was oh god. <laughs> so of course, MSI has just finished. We mentioned it already. You guys are working after a long day. Let's talk a little bit about the group stage. Five days back to back. Yeah. That's an LCK schedule. And there you go. That's definitely an LCK schedule as well. Just a constant stream yeah. of games. Were you guys whining about your workload again? No. I we have it. two show days a week over here. I man. cast three games a week. Do you know how hard it is? Oh, my voice is giving up. 
<laughs> he needs extra bottles at the table. <laughs> so, I mean, people probably already watched the broadcast, so I don't want to, like, go through every game and every team. Rather, I'd like to uh, give away some some fake awards. We've done this once before. I love fake awards. Yeah, we did it for the end of the USDS season. We did most handsome. These ones are a little more serious. We're not going to talk about Did I win most handsome? Yes. Mm. Yes. That's nice. why we're not going to talk about it. It's you so, did win it's one of the so clear. Ones. Nice. You did. Perks picked you. I remember Perks saying nice things. That part I listened to. Oh, yeah. That was. <laughs> I found the time for that. <laughs> um, but I just want to break it up and just kind of start off discussions. Uh, I want to talk about who was the biggest surprise in we're talking, this tournament. We're talking player. You can talk player. You can talk team. Not champion, because that's going to come up later. But Spoiler. <laughs> spoilers. But who was the biggest surprise for you guys in terms of who? A positive surprise. Positive surprise. We also Betty. Biggest disappointment. Ooh. Betty. Uh, the 80 carry from uh, Flash Wolves. The thing is, is I took the time. A lot of people will give casters flack, you know, the LMS doesn't get much coverage. They don't know what they're talking about. No, no, I, I definitely took much more time than was needed to go back and look at the LMS. And frankly, the broadcast or the product is still very top heavy in the LMS. And there are some ridiculous things that happen to those finals. So what I think is uh, almost even more empowering of the Flash Wolf story is I feel like you really couldn't see this coming. And I don't know if this is uh, symptomatic of... Maybe they just have the correct infrastructure in place that when you give them the opportunity to go international and to find the the type of caliber of opponent to scrim against, that they just are able to absorb so much more information. Or if it's just something mentally about the players, that intangible thing about Maple and Sword Art. But I think it was just beautiful to see Betty's story really come full circle and him to step up in a tournament that was all about the ADCs and he didn't even get a mention and to really cement himself, you know, plant his feet and stand up. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about it not really being predictable because I think that if you looked back on a lot of his local performance, if you look back on the league, I think that like anyone looking at it would have said, yeah, he probably he doesn't deserve a mention. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find that argument up right up until the point where he did prove himself on the stage. And, you know, particularly with the Flash Wolves struggling for so long to find like a, a good, consistent 80, 80 carry. carry yeah. And I mean, as a Western viewer, right? Carsa, and, a Carsa, Carsa laner. and a top laner. Carsa leaves. Stake as, a, as the coach at that point was gone as well. And you're just like, well, so... Uh, is the LMS going to lose a spot now? Like, what what's going to happen at Worlds? And you see him show up on the stage and absolutely smash. And it's it's actually really crazy to see, and Betty especially being the highlight of that. Yeah, so, I mean, in the end, it might have benefited Flash Wolves that there was a forced change. Uh, you no longer played around Kazamable. You actually had to find something else, and that was the bot lane. And I think also, you know, we, we talk about stake, but we don't actually know what kind of influence or impact he had on the team Very true. Uh, when he was on that lineup or when he was the coach of the lineup. They didn't know how to play late game whatsoever. They still had some issues with it, but we had some games where they actually managed to close out games. Uh, so that was good. But I think biggest surprise without just picking Flash Wolves only, because Hanabi would also be... And I think a very viable answer is the Flash Wolves, the team, yeah. right? if you want to generalize, because I've... Cast so many of their tournaments, IEMs, uh, all the way through. And it was always the case of whatever the scouting report was, whatever the VODs you'd watch in the LMS, someone would be underperforming. MMD, of course, was the perennial a struggler on the top side. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The NL thing, as an AD yeah. carry. And then Betty as an AD carry. Because remember, Betty came from a role swap background and they saw some raw mechanics there and thought he could get there. There was always someone or one lane that basically was being trounced every game and it was, well, something's going to hold them back. And for the team to come here and go on the winning streak they did to start off, you know, starting off, what, 9-0 and zero between planes and the tournament and also singularly having the best read of 
how to play the game. And while meta this tournament is kind of an awkward term because everyone's kind of been doing something different, it was only when we sat back at the end of the second day and actually had enough points to go, okay, counterpicking support, really focusing on the bot lane turret. It's only when there was enough sample size to understand that they had a very quick read on what was strong and how to use it that I could really appreciate a team that knew where their bread was buttered and mm -hmm. figured out how to play while everyone else was in some state of disrepair in the first three days. I think that's very fair. I think for me, I'm going to say double lift. Uh, <laughs> despite not making our groups, I think uh, a lot of questions coming into it. Sure, yeah. I mean, he had a great you know playoffs in North America and he was among the, the, the four big 80 carries we were talking about, but no one can ever fully, you know, convince anyone that Doublelift will for sure show up on the international stage because there's been so many tournaments in the past where we feel like maybe he, he has let us down a little bit uh, depend, compared to the hype or maybe people are just overhyping him coming into a tournament. I think this one, he played so, so well. Uh, this was a Team Liquid team, especially the first few days that was basically falling apart. Uh, and he still managed to look very, very good in, in these games. He became... The only win condition, other than picking Malzahar, uh, for Team Liquid. And even in the last game, when he's under a ton of pressure against Zyra Khan, he's still able to actually do really well in his early laning phase. And he gets to three items on a Kog'Maw, and is the one win condition for Team Liquid to try and get, get to semifinals. So I think overall, he really showed up this tournament, which was great for him. It's going to, of course, suck that he didn't then actually make it out of groups. And I said this um, briefly on the analyst desk, but it's hard because I, I'm not in Team Liquid's comms. Like, I, I don't know what they're saying, but I have worked with enough teams in the past and a lot of different players to have what I call heart. Um, and I think watching Doublelift, it is just very clear that in a high intense pressure situation he's not gonna he's not gonna be like the the bitch ball oriana player like you know if he's getting blasted if a mid laner is getting blasted it used to be the joke that they would grab hold of the oriana as like the defensive pick and they would just kind of survive or mm -hmm. ride out the lane like double took a step forward and decided that he was going to be the primary carry that it was not going to end in tragedy like all of the other international performances that he had had and the only way that i can describe that is the fire of competition and to me, just a small point to end the double of discussion was, to me, that's his best international performance since five years ago at All-Star Shanghai, which of course was a precursor to MSI in some ways. We went there, he got the famous pen to kill. That was the big tournament for double lift internationally. And then kind of bookends, unfortunately for him, a real struggle to replicate consistent excellence on the domestic front to international underperformance. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's interesting to see that this is where it comes. Of course, uh, this is the Euphoria podcast, so I think the European fans are probably happy. Ah, oh, damn, I thought this was the dive. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> this is why no one so we're happy that folks. Double of couldn't carry through in the end. But of course, Fnatic did barely manage reckless, to make reckless, it. Reckless, reckless, There we go, Euphoria. Well, yeah. A Caps it deserves Caps did a really mention good. I think at Caps, minimum. yes. Because that's the thing. this is a guy who, even when I was prepping and watching him in the EULCS, clearly had a great split, definitely by his standards. And But looking into predictions, even just from stats, like the amount of deaths he incurs and, and things like that, you just saw it didn't look like the rap sheet, I guess you could call it, of someone who was instantly going to pop off and be a success. But I'm happy that you can... With him, there was always kind of an air of self-confidence. And when that 
was kind of combined with with a good start to the tournament. And the highest he was hitting was kind of singular when it came to mid laners, especially in the first half of the group stage. We were debating uh, many episodes back when we were talking about MVP of the split between yeah. Caps and Reckless because this mm-hmm. is the duos of carries for Fnatic. And I think that ultimately the decision that we made was with Reckless on the show at least. Um, and I know it did influence our voting to a certain degree because we thought that there was no way Fnatic could function without Reckless. Reckless was this unique singular point, and Caps was a very good mid laner, but they could function without him. And I think this tournament, it very much looked the opposite, where Reckless was the 80 carry and Caps was Caps. He was this unique element. He was the center of the team very clearly. And I think, uh, I you know, we knew he was good. We knew he could he could crush Europe, and then he was the best performing European mid laner without a doubt, but I think this this was a new level for him uh, and definitely was not something that I expected. It was uh, it was pretty incredible to watch. It's just a very interesting story um, because he was he was in Turkey where he obviously uh, won the final. Um, then he moved on to the EULCS when he was 17, uh, rookie season. All we heard as casters from all the teams that were kind of practicing against Fnatic was just like this mid laner. Like, insane. Like, mechanically, he can win against anyone in Europe. And we're like, oh, calm down. Like, we got big mid laners here. Like, he's just a new kid. Uh, but then the very first uh, week, you know, he he plays G2. He does a famous rise solo kill on perks under the turret where he turns it all around. And just, like, some of these insane mechanical plays that really confirmed that all the rumors were just true about how individually good he was. But obviously, he was missing a lot as a, as a complete player in terms of... What, where to be on the map, when to go aggressive, when not to, so teams could try and shut him down. And that was kind of the story the entire first year, and which is why I don't think the hype around Caps really took off because there were, little, there were too many of the games where the individual mistakes would actually make him look worse than he actually was mechanically. So I'm glad this year has really changed and he's matured a lot. Again, it reminds me of Feb Evans Rise when Fnatic went to MSI three years ago. Obviously, the timelines are a bit skewed. Caps did have a year with the team, but to see, you know, an EU mid laner really pop up and dominate the competition and invite, you know, kind of invite lots of attention and almost thrive in that attention. The Yasuo blind he does picks have remind that you. Flair about he him. does. And that's that's the fun part. I don't know what that means about the future. I guess North America's already lining their uh Purses with money. Ten teams him. sitting ready. Yep. Oh, baby. Oh, God. Fanatic, oh, oh. if you're listening, please lock, lock them down. Extend that Tell contract. It's probably smart. <laughs> but uh, a lot of talent there, and I'm sure you guys are excited to see him back on the European stage dominating again. This sounds like such a weird thing to add on, but I know. Because like the joke is, is that NA is going to come in and swoop <laughs> up all of the good EU players. Um, but Caps is like, uh, he's a dual threat. Not only is he incredibly gifted mechanically, but because his, his that flair and that brand, he is just... I think a cash cow like waiting to happen. That it's guy a is superstar. That's so for sure. talented. Absolutely, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. I'm always nervous when pro players come on the international stage and do really well. I usually find that their next their following domestic split Welcome is all. Welcome to the NALCS tryouts. <laughs> not that, not that, not the, from the poaching angle or not not poaching legal acquisition angle. I don't want to imply that it's poaching. I'm sure it would be done legally, but. Uh, from the, like, they do so well on the international stage and everyone is like, my God, Caps is the best mid laner in MSI. And then they get back and they go, I'm the best mid laner. And someone kills them and they go, how do they kill How do they kill the best mid laner? There's no way <laughs> I made a mistake. I'm the best mid laner. You know, like that ego that I think players do get when they perform internationally. So curious to see how that works out. Hopefully he, you know, keeps a cool head and continues to Just grow. Just give me more Caps versus Perks in the ULCS. That's all I need. Twice right. a season, baby. 
Twice is man in the final. Yeah. yeah. Don't you nice. forget it. Best of one. You guys are best maybe. of twos? Ooh, no. We're not allowed to say best of two anymore. Uh, That's also on the band word uh, list. Can we mute his mic for the rest of the show? <laughs> I actually like that format. I love that. Yes, I, I, I also... It was actually a good I, format. I remember chatting format. with Deficio because, of course, you were one of the people consulted in, in choice of format. And I was right there with you on the best twos, man. Best of three is too much. Best of two rewards dominance. All I'm going to say is I've never understood why people in a regular season absolutely need a winner. I don't understand that. It's There's a regular a season. You're playing for those playoffs anyway. All right. Well, we've talked about biggest surprise. As long as we're playing for points. Let's talk about biggest disappointment. Papa Smith is casting. Ooh. You really gonna s- hold on? Sit back. Let's talk. Do you have anything? Arms. Do you have anything to say to that? Oh, I see how it is. My actual no. Point your actual is. point will get hit in a minute. But people come here to listen to these two trash talk each other. I think. Anything to say about Deficio's casting? You can't say their not, facial expressions. Not broadcast but think... ready, but uh, oh, okay. He'll get his. Oh, okay. I mean, it was pretty obvious I had to carry him across the finish oh, line. Oh my today. God. <laughs> I was, uh, that wasn't your cue to double down. That was your cue to <laughs> drop it and move on. <laughs> Maybe one day, Papa, you'll get there. And maybe one day you'll get to cast the LCK. But until then, you're stuck here. I'm casting caps, baby. Yeah, you go. <laughs> That's all you could ever want. But Frosker and Khan. You said Khan, <laughs> your biggest disappointment. We'll focus up. Such a hater. Yeah, okay, what? He's not no longer the, the god of top lane to you? Uh, no, and I was told that he was supposed to be a god. Meanwhile, I've had my own god sitting in my region with the shy, but people tell me, see, the thing is, is the LPL, we have so many great superstars, but you're not allowed to say that they're the best simply because they're not in Korea. They're not playing against the best, so there's no way that they can be the best. I mean, we're also, I couldn't have called Caps the best until he started beating up Korean mid laners, you know? It I think that's, it's a universal rule. Yet. That, all right. Anyway. So, I've had to live in Khan's shadow, just shit-talking my team, knowing that the Shy is just a god, and then Khan shows up and he underperforms Let's wait and see how he does against the Korean team. Also, we haven't seen the Shy, so now you're just living vicariously through the Shy. I've got 300 (laughs) games of the Shy. (laughs) Not against Khan. Not against the star talent of... Impacts Vladimir. Ooh, whoa, <laughs> I like it. Whoa. Tell us about There's no Good thing we're not on the diet yeah. here. Whoa. <laughs> I, can go, I can go through each top laner. Let me All tell right. you about Let Me's Nar. Okay. But Papa Smithy. Wait, I want to hear more about Khan. Why I know, No, no, we're going to Khan. Oh, okay. And why, I want to hear about why he's supposed want, to be a god. And that's was... what I want to hear about is Papa Smithy, he was supposed to be a god. Do you, looking back at his performance in Korea, still feel like he was that god top player, that, that expectation was I mean, you're, was giving, you're giving me a very facetious question because clearly he underperformed. He had a very, very poor tournament. But it doesn't color how good he was in Korea. Uh, he had a he had a really good start to the season. Honestly, by the end, you know, he was kind of doing his GP Nar thing like most people were. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't really much to write home about, but it was such a multi-pronged disappointment because it wasn't just this was working, but this wasn't. Game to games, teleports fell apart. Oh, yeah. Uh, their early game was, was, was definitely a lot different. So without a dominant early game, things like teleports into team fights become more obvious because you need to be much more on point when you have no gold lead. Uh, the Vladimir game was obviously probably the worst professional game I've seen him play when it comes to, at least in the LCK. And uh, yeah, every part of his arsenal of mechanics and champion pool really fell apart at different times. So I think he's definitely someone who's going to benefit from a couple of de- days to step away. Obviously, still going to be scrims and things like that. But in the transition to Paris, 
he needs a breather because it's not been a great five days. I mean, another problem for Khan specifically and his playstyle was obviously that Peanut and BDD did not manage to do the same things at MSI that we've seen back in the LCK. You know, BDD always, always with the mid lane priority into unleashing Peanut into the enemy jungle and he can group up with BDD and they can go to side lanes. And that obviously means with that amount of pressure... If you're Khan on, in a winning matchup, you literally just push to the enemy turret and you know that nobody can kill you. So that freedom was gone. Uh, this tournament, Peanut obviously did not have a good tournament either. Uh, could be another one for biggest disappointment. Or well, the whole because, team as, as Sure, a, as the whole, whole team, obviously. Uh, but I, I mean, I think Prey and, and BDD have played well individually. I think looking at Peanut and Khan, as Frost said, we were expecting two people to show up, look at the rest of the competition and say, you guys are nothing compared to what we play back in the LCK and just run over people. It's so strange. Do you think it is... I think some of the meta did not favor King's style. I think that's true. And again, we have to mention we're recording, obviously, after groups and before semis and final. But ideally, they ran, before then. even if they ran through semis and finals, let's say 3-0, 3-0, which I think seems almost impossible with all their weaknesses right now. But of course, you know, Korean teams in best of five have a mistake. It could happen. Uh, I don't think it excuses the group stage because so many things have fallen apart and it's it's not even been in one area that as the coaching staff you have I feel like every team kind of has these assumed things that are like kind of the fulcrum or the the backbone of your team. And I'm not even sure what that is for Kingzone right now. Prey's still really good at being an AD carry. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, like is BDD best on Yasuo or Galio? I mean, it didn't seem like the team could function with the Yasuo, but that was their first game on stage, blah, blah, blah. Khan's ability to overextend and them to play the map, Peanut's ability to be by far the best jungler and super aggressive. Like, none of those things worked outside of moments in games. I, I don't envy trying to pick up the kind of shattered kind of backbone of the team right now. In the um, in the LPL, and speaking with the teams, <laughs> the vocabulary is, is shells, and that sounds probably pretty weird to you guys but it's this idea of um like a team composition or an identity shell like if you think about the lpl back in worlds it was like the jarvin galio cannonball compositions that would be a shell that they would run do you papa think like if you had to name a, a king's own shell or identity like what would you pick there were many um again that's the reason why it's so mystifying is that they could play everything in the lck um if you could think of like best champions in role, Camille, Jace, top lane, um, jungle, definitely Olaf for mm-hmm. Peanut, but his Zach was fantastic as well. Um, usually something that has priority and ability to to duel. Mid lane, Galio, big one. The Rise also pretty decent. I think Galio is kind of the, the god. There's Scion mid lane as well. All of them actually received nerfs, obviously coming in. True, true. Um, AD carry. Prey can play everything, but... I know I have a big preference towards as Ash because I think they can play so well with that. Ezreal is the the prototype, but Ezreal being rebuffed and that first day everything seemed fine, right? Because TP yeah, Ezreal yeah. was a innovation by Kingzone. Um, Why do you think they moved away from him? Well, they got, got banned, banned in a lot of the well, games. Banned, but also not even playing around that similar style. Like you can still have access to champions that are going to push tempo and bot lane in a way that even Ash. I mean, we saw what Uzi was trying to do when he pulled out the Ash. You could just always have uh, push priority down into the bottom lane. But it almost seemed like they completely backed you, off that style and for more of a slower, so like more of the Zach jungle. Had a really big shift LCK final onwards because the big storyline and one I hit this tournament and in that tournament was. Um, just how low Econ Prey is. The fact that he played Ezreal, 
Goddess tier, you know, finished Mana Moon, got Trinity Force or Iceborne Gauntlet, went mid, good grouping timings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, even the finals, four games of Kaisa. Kaisa obviously is a much more gold intensive build, however strong she is on one or two items. And then this tournament, it just seems like the burden onto Prey was very high. Expectations for this tournament, speaking to people around, lots of Karma mid, lots of protect the 80 carry, 80 carry, 80 carry. I think Kingzone clearly were ready for that. They were ready for their 80 carry to shine. But because it's so different to a draft where mid lanes roaming around, um, so like the, it's very different Karma compared to, say, Galio and Otilia, things like that. Top lanes deprioritized. While, Cam while Camille has been a pick, the Jace has certainly gone away mm. this tournament. It was a shift, and I think they pigeonholed themselves practice-wise. This is all speculating, of course, into where they thought things would go. And now you see them falling back to what worked in the middle of the season, and it's just not working, trying to fall back into something they seem out of practice on compared to other teams here. They luckily have a couple of days, and that... Typically, for a Korean team that struggles in the group stages, think back to SKT, also at MSI uh, two years ago uh, in Shanghai, when they got fourth place in groups, uh, ended up playing RNG that was 8-2 and two going into the semifinals. And SKT got a couple of days to figure out what was going wrong. They showed up. They lost the first game, but then the following three, they just completely smacked RNG uh, and moved on to the finals. So that is obviously the thing with the King Zone that we can look towards. So while I'm taking over hosting for a second here, if you're telling Kingzone coach one thing to make Kingzone better, what what is it, Davishio? I almost think you keep cuz in right now. Hold on. Here's my thing. Save it, because I love it. Save it for when we talk about Kingzone versus Flash Wolves, because okay, we sure. will talk about that in a little Something bit. Something to think about. I have Fifth one other disappointment I think we have Yeah, to but make. I think that's what I want to get to the disappointment. Can I go first? Yes, sir. Yes. I, so the Caps Reckless thing I mentioned earlier with Caps stepping up, yep. Caps got the opportunity to step up because I think Reckless was a disappointment. Now... He has received probably more flame than he deserves. I saw a lot of people hating on the Jin oh, game really? where he you was. You think people like telling him to go burn in hell is more? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> on, on the. the he's obviously he's famous and he's on a pedestal. You had safe search on, I guess. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely a little more explicit than that. But like some of the games, he obviously was just drafted into a corner, and I think that that's on Fnatic for for putting him on Jin against like. Camille Gallio, whatever. There was nothing he was ever going to yeah, be able to do in that Yeah, he was literally that, But that's, I just want to be clear. That's not the game I'm talking about. But, like, the fact that he was playing Sivir so much and that that was a priority pick and that Fnatic were consistently banning Ezreal throughout everything. Uh, it, yeah, like, so the main criticism needs to go towards the champion pool that Reckless showed up with at this tournament. Uh, a lot of the AD carries favored Rageblade or... Israel. AD carries where on one item you can actually start playing around the AD carry. You can you can make things happen. Uh, and some of them also still have great scaling, like the Cockmore, which was a huge pick during the tournament. And you then look at Reckless's champion pool, which up until the very last game, the tiebreaker game, was Tristana, Sivir, and Jin. Uh, the Jin obviously lost every single game uh, when it was picked, uh, and they stepped away from it on the first day, returned just against uh, one game towards the end with it, but that was not a success at all. Uh, and then it was Tristan and Sivir, which obviously are the very slow AD carries that need multiple items to succeed. And the problem, because they were forced to pick those kind of champions, it often gave them drafts where the comeback potential, if 
Caps or Whippo fell behind. Was very stalled out. Was it literally just wait for three to four items and then you were probably down. And if you lose a fight, if you make a mistake, then the game is over. The Team Liquid game that Fnatic loses is the best example of this, where Caps does not get ahead because he's playing Karma. Broxa tries to invade on Graves, which, again, the combination of Karma-Graves can be good in the early game Definitely. to apply pressure. But he ends up invading at the wrong times. Xmith, he kind of outplays him. And now Fnatic are losing everything, and there is no way for him to make a play bot lane because it's a severe sitting there. So they effectively had to just wait. And they actually got get back in the game, but then they made that mistake around Baron. And if you're this far down, you cannot make mistakes. So that was my problem. And I, I tweeted as well saying, I want flexibility in this draft. If Uzi can play Hawkmore, Ezreal, Ash, whatever, then Reckless, if he wants to compete and be considered, you know, one of the top 80 carries in this tournament, needs to be able to do the same so Fnatic have more options in their draft and not just, let's hope Caps can carry us through the early game with Broxa, and if that doesn't happen, this is going to be bad because they make too many mistakes for that strategy to consistently work. And ultimately, when uh, Reckless does have, like, we go to the RNG Fnatic game where uh, it felt like a lot of people in the community were discussing how, you know, that was Fnatic's game to lose. Um, but from an LPL lens, looking at that, I always had faith that RNG were going to win because Fnatic kept drafting themselves into compositions where they would want to team fight. And to be frank, they do not team fight as well as RNG. They're not as good at it. And so if they keep drafting themselves into these holes where if they do fall behind or they don't have any options to kind of run away with the game in early gold leads and it comes to a 20 to 30 minute, you know, stack up and team fight, I'm always going to hedge my bets on RNG there. But to me, that's kind of a problem with Fnatic not diagnosing the kind of level up from EULCS to MSI. Like there always is, obviously. It's the, the Tournament of Champions is a reason why there's never been a 10-0 team in groups, right? Because the competition's so difficult. Like these scaling picks, just like you guys mentioned with the Rage Blade and Tear, it's all about being able to fight early. Like I, if I hazard a guess, this is the tournament with the most objectives taken per minute of any tournament ever because it felt like the moment bot lane turret went down or the first turret went down, you went to where you went around with your carry and you took two, three, four turrets. This is a really fast meta. And you might say, okay, there's other, you know, two, three item carries. Ash is certainly not a carry that excels on one item, but she provides utility yes. on very low econ, whereas Caitlyn and to a greater extent, Sivir, really do need to get going. And like you guys were mentioning, there wasn't comeback because the amount of map that was surrendered before three items were complete, the amount of map that was taken pre-25 minutes was massive. And I just feel like just because you could fall back to Tristana and Sivir in a slower meta, which I think what it was in every region, um, you know, the, the war stories of 8.1 and 8.2 will live forever, this tournament... You needed that updated champion pool, and not everyone had it. And it wasn't just a slower meta, right? They were they were exploiting the weaknesses of a lot of teams yep. domestically, mm -hmm. right? Like European teams were notoriously bad at closing out, even outside of the the perpetual hell that was 8.1, 8.2, with just the infinite scaling comps on every side. That meta was great for the other Okay, team. sure. <laughs> I don't know what carries. everyone was bitching but about. I also think that for this tournament, the the depth of AD carry pool that you really need to show off is is, is pretty big because we see consistently two or three AD carry bans in every single draft. Second phase, if you don't pick it, often, you know, Varus or some of the second tier AD carries are banned away too. And 
it just doesn't feel at all like Reckless was prepared uh, prepared for this. No, he wasn't. Uh, only the last game with the Zyra Khan, we actually got to see a Fnatic where they had multiple lanes to play around. Uh, and it was such a huge difference because uh, Caps was obviously playing fantastic on Talia. Uh, and he would focus on top side, but then at the same time, Hillisang and Reckless would fight bot side. They would force a summoner, and that suddenly allowed the rest of Fnatic to say, oh, okay, we can actually go bot lane and make something happen. So just the, the transformation by seeing that combo, I will give some respect and credit to Reckless, uh, because he was obviously down. Like, you are, everything has gone wrong. Fnatic were losing games left and right. They were 4-2, and two, and then had to still play a tiebreaker against Team Liquid to make it into top 4, and a lot of the community blame was straight on him. But for the very last game, both him and the coaches say, it's time. No more severe. It was open. Grab desire. Don't care about Tom Kench or whatever. Let's play it. We need playmakers. This is the way to do it. Yeah, so it was frankly a redemption story, and uh, I know there's a movie ending, well, fairy tale. It was pretty surreal that we're sitting moments. there, you know, the Fisher was standing there, the Fisher freak and I. The Rakans locked at first pick, and then it wasn't an insta lock Zaya when no. it came back. It like ticked down, and it was home. every second. You're like, is this not gonna be Zaya? Like there was we, that real, yeah. there was doubt. There, there was, you guys there was are on the desk. Large shreds of doubt. Me and a couple of the European <laughs> casters and NA casters are like. Zaya, Zaya, Zaya. He's gonna pick Zaya, but like none of us believed it. We're all like, this is definitely another what, another Siver pick, another whatever pick, you know. And when he finally <laughs> did lock it in, we we're like, thank God, finally. We have waited yeah. so many days back to back. We know he he can play this champion. And Some of his best highlight moments in our season, Martin, were him on this true. champion. It's true, and I know some people will say now, oh, but the Siver could have still won the game. Yes, it could. It just made it way harder for Fnatic if they made any sort of mistakes for the rest of the with the rest of the map, and that's just unfair as an AD carry to do that to your team. So I just imagine that hero moment where it goes to him. You know, they need to lock in his AD carry. Music starts playing slowly in the background. Titanic music Titanic. going on. This it's, my for some reason go on, in my head. It's my heart will go on. It's my heart go on for some reason. And Dylan Falco goes like reckless. We need Zaya here. And the music plays a little bit louder and reckless, doesn't say anything. But he, in his mind, he's just like, severe, 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 severe. But then the last second, he just goes, lock it in. And bam, music plays. They get the side. Dylan Falco goes off stage going like, yes, I'm not going to get flamed for this draft. We did it. <laughs> Can we have a brief topic of conversation about why you think that your epic music needs to be Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On? I don't know. It's just, for some reason, that's the one in my head right now. You know, it's a sad song. Do we need a What's On Your Playlist yeah, segment moment, on this? Like, yeah. Big moment there, you know, then, I don't know. He locks it in. All of Europe is like, like, thank the you. The weird thing da -da. is, yeah, that's fine. I know that's for, from personal experience that also on his playlist is some Tupac, so it seems like that would have been way better. A yeah, 90s yeah, connection yeah, yeah. there, I, I guess. And a big moment right there. And it probably would be another song that fit better. Point is, <laughs> Dylan Falco got his Zaya. Yeah. It was locked in. Fnatic wins. Euphoria, baby. Woo. EU greater than NA. All right. Now, our next topic is MVP of the group stage. Who is he? Okay. Well, conversational. Next topic. <laughs> now, any... No, wait, wait, are we sure it's not... The thing is, is, you come in so hot every time. You're like, Khan, Uzi. I Was it Uzi or Uzi I, though? 7 a.m. It's Uzi I. Uzi I. Uzi I? No, my favorite is we go and we ask the players what to be called. Um, 
it. <laughs> oh, this is already a, funny. This is a fun story. Uh, and there's a guy in our league named F A G E. So you just think phage? of we say Phage, and as soon as he heard us actually say his oh, name I in know English, what he wants. oh yeah, <laughs> because we're like we've got some concerns here. We'd like to flag this. Is it cool if we call you Phage? He was like, that sounds way cool. Oh, thank you. And so now his name is Phage. Well, to be fair, you also had a player called. Penis. 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 <laughs> Sorry, that was the one. And you have a play called Clip. Yep. Which is some great. He's audience. Korean. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh God. Um. Yeah. Penis. Can we talk about the your MVP? Wait, wait. wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. It's, not, it's not relevant, Papa Smithy. And you know what? I dropped F. Yeah, I've already oh, gotten enough trouble. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Papa Smithy. Give us a story. Do you remember the Korean player? He was on Rock Cat, I think. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Whippo. I think was he Whippo. I forget what he was it's named BWI. while he was on Rock Cat. I think it was Dart or yeah, Dart. Yeah, he had Dart. Right. The story behind his name was. He was a Korean player. Um, I remember I was talking to Susie Kim, uh, involved in Korean esports, little Susie, and um, he was trying to get noticed because he was high in challenger in Korea. And uh, his name he chose for himself was Fart. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Susie was trying to explain that like this name was like probably not gonna like. <laughs> he's just like. And she was like, you know what it means? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I know what it means. It's I think it's funny. Trumpet. Which, you know, so far so good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, he was asking for suggestions. So I, I suggested Dart because I'm like, well, that kind of like Bang or Uzi, like it's a cool name. Um, so he went with it's Dart. Really not as cool as then he, then Wait, he changed it to Part. You stopped us from having fun. Fart. <laughs> Look, I'm sure Riot would have got there way before. But he ended up Dart. I think that was his name when he was there. Then he was Part at one point. Then he was Firetrap and was a sub. What a like change. I know, Firetrap. I don't know where he found that one. That wasn't in the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> what, is, what is even a Firetrap? It's know actually just another that. fart. But, <laughs> but then he fart. retired, but th there was Fart. Yes, his name fart was, was Fart. Fart I can see it. Pour one out for Fart at home, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, play. <laughs> yeah, great story. <laughs> he had an EU, EU related. I don't remember him in Europe. I don't remember. He was probably in Challenger. I think been. he was on Rockhead. Yeah, really? The thing is, is Rocket has, uh, bless their hearts, gone through many, many Korean imports over the years. So they have gone a couple. <laughs> yeah, they did, absolutely. Profit is doing pretty good. He's used yeah. to be Oh, you guys, I love it when the game kind of falls away and you're still like at the remember he was on SKT moment. It has become a meme. I know it has. I know it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, sometimes on the EULCS broadcast, we run out of things to talk about. Do you not? Do you now remind everyone he was on SKT when he does well or does poorly? It depends on the situation. Yeah. Does he like fail flash? And I remember he was on SKT. No, it's more like if he's dominating, it's like, well, how could you expect to beat a former SKT top player? <laughs> and then if he's doing terrible, you go, that guy just took down a former SKT top player. <laughs> uh, listen for it. It will happen again this season for sure. Prophet so, is actually one of the cutest people ever. Uh, he's great. When he, got, when he joined NIP and they just lost every game, he looked so sad, of course. Uh, and then he said that one of the only things he wanted right now was to win a game so he could high-five the fans. Aww. And I was like, I want this guy to win so badly. And luckily around week seven or something, they for some reason won a game. It was couple, so cute watching RNG high-five the fans. So in the LPL arena, there's it's 500. And there's they, probably security concerns Yeah, they there. do not let the fans get right up. So they what they do is they just walk to the front of the stage and they bow. So the only time they get to high-five or interact uh, is... Probably at All Stars, it'd probably be the very Do first time. Do they not time. have fan meets? 
Um, they of course have fan meets, but it's a very different culture. That's more of like a bunch of girls run up to you and they like take cutesy photos with you. Um, but this is like never happens in Europe. Just the interaction of like watching Imlex she get every single hand. So I like that. It was actually cool with the student, all the Chinese fans. They're rushing forward when they saw Uzi about to kill people at the Nexus. They would just fly from the stage because also they never down to the stage. really get to interact with him. Like are, are I was actually as... surprised by that too. The fans get really close to the oh, stage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we trust them. I don't think I don't know if that would happen in Korea either. So definitely doesn't happen. We China. never had an issue. Never had an issue. People are good. That was the MSI thing, but people on occasion get on stage, hang out Brazil. with the players, the victory killer ceremony. It's happened maybe once or twice. Oh, yeah. We had one in EU final as well. You remember? I do remember. Ran up and hugged perks or something and just ran down. We was like, oh, that like... must be the analyst. <laughs> 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 and then you just ran off stage. Like, Probably not. Happened in MSI too. It's just a Brazilian. Remote analyst. Remote analyst. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. We'll let it go. What was the topic okay, again? The topic was MVP. This was a great discussion. I once again, Fart, the real MVP of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, but MVP of the MSI 2018 group stage, not the I've chosen a poor but hilarious name for myself. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty hard not to give it to Uzi. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, best performing team, best performing player on that team is usually a safe bet. Who comes in second? I, it would have been Caps. Day Maple four, it may still be caps, but as I think he, his candidacy. Maple? Maple certainly up there. Prey um, would have been top, top mm, five mm. probably, but not two. Mm. Who is who is, is Flash? Doublelift. If I think if Doublelift had won today over Fnatic, he would have been MVP. Mm. Also, MVP fully. Because yeah, the thing well, is, is think of what uh, Uzi's working with versus what uh, Doublelift is working I mean, with in terms Smithy of performance. Really so, so that's Smithy obviously the thing. I'm about... not saying that. I mean, in terms of like perform, like Impact yeah, is having yeah, yeah. A, a pretty no, bad turn. I think, and this is the perpetual yeah. debate about MVP, MVP. Is it's like, is it objectively best performer, or is it the person who has the biggest impact on their team? Right? No pun intended. And so, if you think of four deadweight players getting carried by one guy is the one guy carrying that or is it the really good team Don't with put the words one in my star mouth. player I didn't say four deadweight players No, I'm not players. saying four deadweight players <laughs> no, This is a hypothetical example I do example. not want to be misunderstood <laughs> here Just so What I did say. you say about Yellow Star again? <laughs> <laughs> Can you not Can oh. you not help yourself? I just think that Ole The man is retired Had a very rough tournament <laughs> Yes, uh, Doublelift's impact was fantastic. Uh, Doublelift's uh, performance. In spite of <laughs> Doublelift and impact. He's definitely not impact. Uh, but uh, Uzi gets MVP from us. Uh, Runner-ups, we had Mabel, Caps, we had some Prey in there. Probably Maple. Uh, uh, to me, Maple was really impressive because he wasn't strictly picking for lane. Uh, often he was yeah. picking exactly what the team. He played multiple Galio games think, for the team. I don't think he had a bad game. Also, as far as form of Maple that we've seen, I think this is the most development we've seen in Maple from international tournament to international tournament. Because I feel like there were periods of time where he maybe wasn't the center of attention. He only played like utility. And there were periods of time where he was the only carry on the team very clearly. And he only played carries. And we've seen a lot more flexibility. Maybe that is just the nature of the meta, but mm -hmm. I take it as a sign that he's just improved uh, this this season as a player. Yeah, I mean, he definitely improved a lot. Um, that was a very good article, actually, covering kind of LMS and Flash Wolves that I think all of us were reading uh, coming into this, where... By Xander... Gumiha. By Xander, I believe it was, Gumiha. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, perfect. Um, well, he basically talked about how in the LMS, like, a lot of Koreans came into the region and the, the, the mechanical level kind of improved, and... Mabel was forced to really start like tryharding and focus on his own mechanics again, which maybe was something he didn't do last year, uh, which actually made 
can really step up during the season and look a lot better. And we clearly saw that here because in the past, he was also considered one of the best mid laners in the world. And and the thing about Flash was that's always so interesting is by at least keeping two out of three, because I also have Sword Art, like you can make a very strong case for Mabel and Sword Art being some of the top players in their position in the world. And that core uh, obviously has now actually gotten Flash Rolls towards the semifinal and needs to perform if they want to beat Kingstone. Is there any other... I mean, Prey and Gorilla, mm-hmm. Maple and Sword Art. Are there any other like big duos that have just Defish your Dracos <laughs> that have yeah, just been together true. forever? Coma Faker. Mm-hmm. There's definitely names that have been around. Who would they have, what have they been Europe time. there? Probably not. Because even like things like Dandy Mata like were around for such a short period of time, right? Two years. Yeah, I would have said Sven and Mithy in Europe, but oh, obviously yeah. they've moved over to North America now, so we well, don't talk I think about them. Sven and Mithy's still as a duo are pretty, like, outside of this Oh, split, they're very still, iconic. Yeah. And I think in terms of influence on Western League of Legends, they're still historic and I- mm-hmm. iconic, regardless of current Faker, performance. Bang and Wolf, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since, you know, 2015, they weren't on the same teams but before. But realistically, I mean, Maple... maple <laughs> ma- oh, yeah. Maple sort of, in terms of... They're, they're oh my dead. God. They're, <laughs> they're never going to live it down. And, uh, <laughs> have you noticed? This is the first event in... Man, any international events I've been to that uh, there been no TSM chance. Oh. Really? There's TSM chance literally in the LPL arena almost every single we night. We don't. We have a few. We had a few times in Europe, but as casters, we stand very close to the crowd, so we make sure to Just like raise contact. our fists at them and be like, "No." Uh, even at Worlds in China, though, with TSM, oh, I mean, TSM was there, obviously, but <laughs> they 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 pick up the trend. <laughs> literally, they use it a lot. for like a, a TOP versus Vici gaming game, we will have TSM chance. So that's how you know that they really messed up when they when they did not make it out of quarters. Is that the fans like no more? The meme's not funny anymore. Now we cheer for <laughs> Team Liquid. <laughs> it took Sven and Mithy and then the love affair was over. Oh, I miss Sven and Mithy. I do too. Please come back to Europe. <laughs> or at least win something. Or win something and make us <laughs> proud. That's another one. I uh, can take both. All right, so MVP of the group stage, we give it to Uzi. There's a couple runners up. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the metas and the draft we've seen because we talked a little bit about AD carry, a little bit about that pool. But what do you guys think is, is the most underrated pick so far at the tournament. What do you think has been absolutely smashing that's not getting nearly enough attention? Or some- I don't... I, we keep having this discussion about, like, side lane and why side lane is so important in 131 and things like that. But I think, like, we haven't really discussed why side lane presence has really come back and why it's so important. And I think a big reason is the adjustment in warding. You, you know, no longer having tracker's knife available. Yes, uh, people always knew it was going to fundamentally change early game, um, but it also then bled over into late game. And so now you have, you know, usually less vision. Banner of command is pretty much a staple on almost anything. And so there's almost always going to be like uh, pushing lanes or throwing banners down there. And with less vision than the ability to find picks or to make collapsing plays like that I just think it's not just about playing one three one it's about having mm. being able to understand how to manipulate your side lanes and, and get back to your team safely with imperfect knowledge I mean so so one three one our side lanes obviously have always been important uh when you have metas with a lot of engaged champions like mm-hmm. let's and that's pretend the other thing. yeah you know let's say jungle is Sijuani right there and your top lane is an Orin and your support is an Alistar you can actually, for most of the game, win without caring too much about your side lanes because you just have so many ways of forcing team fights. So uh, bad teams or teams who don't understand that part can actually look a lot better. Uh, but if you look at MSI, 
Uh, a lot of the games we had, you know, range supports without engage. We had like graves, jung trundle, jungle, like these kind of things. They don't really hard engage team fights, and unless you had Orn or maybe Cyan, it was actually kind of hard to find picks that could always start you the team fight. And then suddenly, split pushing and using your side lanes becomes much more important to maximize farm and pressure. Because obviously, if you haven't pushed in your minion waves, or if you don't understand that, okay, if I'm pushing top side. Uh, and my jungler's on top side to help me do that, my bottom side needs to be careful because then the enemy team can make a play. Like, if you don't understand these kind of things, you just end up getting caught out and die a lot, and in the end, you lose too much from it. So I think the the lack of pure engage comps has made the, the entire map more important and has punished certain teams. Are there any... So if, you, if I want to draw you on the original yeah. topic of uh, picks that have yes. perhaps like kind of... That weren't the center of your prep and things like that. Anything that really surprised you? Uh, thank you, uh, host Papa Smithy. Um, You're a terrible host. You can't keep flaming Dracos. I can. I know Why him. Are you so you literally, I asked, and you said you want to talk about something else, so I let you talk about something else. Yeah, you ignored his question. He That's said a pick. True. You're a terrible guest. The answer is Orn. Orn is not under. Well, Orn is actually because if people keep not banning it, you're correct. And the thing is, is he's able to offer the hard engage and also oh, play a side lane. He's I love actually Orn. he's perfect for punishing in this meta, and champions yeah. or teams need to realize that that champion is broken. I'm gonna say my boy Varus, underrated. Uh, they so won. underrated that it just didn't get played much. In the end, they just banned it in second phase instead. No one picked it. No one to pick it in the early phase. Fair enough, I get that. But then, like day one, it was picked a few times by Betty. Looked fantastic. You build Rage Blade. You have a crit build now, so your late game damage output, as long as you can auto attack, is actually fantastic. Sure, there's some issues with lack of mobility, but there's a lot of comes with shields and protection, so you actually rely less on it. And there's not as many of these insane hard engage comps that punishes Varus. So I look at teams who say, ooh, we should probably try and win bot lane. And they're like, hmm, what pick should we go for? I'm like, Varus is really good in lane, and he's really good at setting up winning bot lanes because he has an ult. Pick Varus. And they're like, uh, here's my boy Jin. I'm like, oh. Or Sivir. That's <laughs> no. a Euro European special. But Frost, Actually you, underrated. You were talking about Orn. I also like Braum, and I think the reason why... Uh, the thing is, is caster supports are, are really important, I do agree with that, but I think what Braum uh, brings is your ability to almost win every single level 1, and level 1s have been so uh, decisive for this tournament and establishing a strong side of the map that if you have a Braum, you are 100% going to be walking face-first into the enemy jungle, and even if you get the losing bot lane, if you do that on the bottom side of the map and just create, or, or create vertical jungling, then it doesn't even matter that you have the Ornn as your support. I was able to keep a straight face the entire time during that point. What are you talking about? This is not a video podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see the weird hand gestures people are making. But uh, for me, when it comes to... Because I, I saw the power of Ezreal coming because uh, a lot of Korean solo queue players were talking about it. Double tier build, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that stupid build. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the one that... So just before the tournament started, a week before... As everyone here falls apart, <laughs> I don't know what's so funny. Um, the two champions. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing Korean solo queue, you know, particularly it. high, you know, mid plat or something. And uh, challenger. Two picks that come up out of nowhere. Everyone is playing them. One was singed, which I thought we would see more. So we saw some singed bands. Um, I think it's a very viable pick into Orin, Um that might be flexed sometime in the semis. We could but, still see it, yeah. But uh, the other one was Graves, and mm. was kind of. Pigeonholed as a solo queue pick, you know, Graves runs around, if he gets ahead, it's so scary. To see him go as a, hmm, I think we're talking about a uh, EULCS player there. Um, 
but uh, thank you. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> oh God, we're losing it. Go specifically. <laughs> how dominant the Graves pick became in the context of what was being played and the matchups he excelled in. It's true. There were so many games. Like, we had two today where Graves walked around and took 85% of camps on the map. And he was blind-picked. Blind-picked. They just grab him. Walks up, you know, shotguns down every camp. Everyone's watching off, being depressed. They can't take any of the Raptors. The the amount the meta shaped around Graves and be backing up your jungler took me by surprise. To me, that was the biggest. I was right. like, okay, this can be good, but not like this every game needs to be picked or banned. What about my boy Sinjao? Get out of here. It actually looked good when he was picked, especially with Malzahar. Like, what are you going to do? <clears throat> they, um, so what's interesting is I think a lot of people, Jinjao has played a lot in the LPL. And again, in speaking with teams, most people assume that Jinjao is actually played just to dive backline. But in the LPL, that it's not a purpose for the champion. What they like to do is... Um, when you play Jin Zhao, when I talk about fighting front to back, do I need to d- no, explain yeah, this? Yeah, we got it. Okay. That's an LCS special. Okay, perfect. <laughs> when I talk about uh, fighting front to back, uh, Jin Zhao forces that team to fight front to back because if you try to uh, ever dive in on them or, or look for some sort of flank or a very scattered team fight happens, Jin Zhao has the ability to reset it effectively um, and then force the front to back fight. So the LPL usually use him like that in tandem with a hyper carry that wants to do it like a Kog'Maw. Mm. And so, like she played it already. Looked good. Yep. Yeah, definitely looks like an all right. With his classic I, I level two game. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's a level two game, dude, but that doesn't so, mean it's at no, one I, minute forty. The best part is doing the cast. So it's the it's the RNG versus RNG versus Flash Rolls uh, tiebreaker game, and we have this in Zhao. And I can't say it as well as Frostcorn, but we have this in Zhao. And obviously, MLXG ends up losing out some camps in the start. And Papa is, uh, he's standing there, you know, really looking at the minimap, trying to figure out, okay, where, where will MLXG go now? Level two. What a classic question. And where will MLXG yeah. go? <laughs> and as he walks into that topside river and the entire ju- enemy jungle with the blue buff is just available for him. Yep. You're like, oh, I mean, he's obviously going to go counter jungle, I think, was the, what, the sentence that just left your your mouth. Yeah, vertical jungling. Yeah, there you go. Vertical jungling, split the map. And then MLXG is like, nah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and he just rushes straight up late level two and he just goes in on the enemy top later, looks for the oh kill. It's like, man, you could have just taken like three kills. Yeah. Oh my god, but I But saw he got dude, the I GP flash. <laughs> And then the he swapped GP made. flash for three camps. He went straight bot after and managed to get double kills. We were like, MLXG, man, this guy knows what's up. And I remember. Back when he was uh, having his MLXG ways last year, the words were like catch-up experience. He's abusing it. There's no catch-up experience. He's just abusing himself, ganking everybody. He's in there. Your boy MLXG. Uh, He definitely plays for himself, is it fair to say. He just, he knows who he is and he knows what he's about. And the you thing know, is, is if you're against MLXG, check the bush. He's right, sitting in it for right, 45 seconds. Follow your heart. That's the lesson from MLXG. Don't let anyone tell you that you need experience or gold to make an impact in League of Legends. You just need a red buff and a dream. Statistically, <laughs> even when he's ahead in game, he falls so far behind on experience and gold in pretty much every single matchup. Like, Karsa statistically is so much better than MLXG in every metric. But there's just that... Not good enough to play in most of those games, apparently, though. They prefer that MLXG. Mm-hmm. Just that sum, that special sum. <laughs> Keeps the team going. How do you prep for him? You don't. You know? Cry. You can't. 
Nope. <laughs> he's one man who's willing to sacrifice everything. You and know? in the Adley Sin game, when he fell really far behind, where he obviously also invaded like level one or something. And, and after he had already lost something, he invaded into red buff and obviously died again to peanut. Uh, if he I gets think that it was. gank off, you're tilted though. Because this is a guy who could be spotted bot side on the red side, do like gromp and then gank top. Literally <laughs> just walk straight there. Doesn't kill no scuttle crabs or second buffs. He's coming for you. Oh, man. I love him next year. <laughs> it's so true. The spicy hot pot. You can't take you can't take anything away from a man who has nothing, you know? <laughs> I mean Peanut found that out. MLXG didn't have no jungle, but he got level six and it didn't matter. He didn't want it anyway. He wasn't gonna spend time in that goddamn jungle. <laughs> it leans to tax Peanut. <laughs> That underrated pick always uh, ends up going somewhere. This Friday, the bracket stage for MSI begins. Two semifinals into a final. We have RNG versus Fnatic and Flash Wolves versus King Zone Dragon X. I want to say Kongzu Dragon X. Kongzu Dragon X. Can Kongzu we start by saying how unfair it is that RNG as first place picks Fnatic? Oh man, it's almost as unfair as finishing first in your groups and then having to face SKT in the semifinals and then not being remembered that you should have been the finals and that instead it was North America conquering China again. Uh, I, I, the salt fall, throw, flows <laughs> through you. That's such a weird... That was hard to say. That's such a weirdly personal, specific yeah. example. Are you like, hating on the bracket back then? Now they're playing Fnatic. Well, and the thing is, is they would have been 1v4 anyway, right? First what? seed versus fourth seed. It would have been first seed versus fourth seed either, anyway. That's yeah, how so you standardly seed it. One. So them choosing made zero difference. What? No, because if they had the ability to choose, then, they wouldn't have chosen. No, I'm not talking about your stupid petty story. <laughs> God. Hey, Tyler, well, this tournament. You're not being very nice to me. Yes. She <laughs> keeps calling me a bad host. Uh, all right. RNG versus Fnatic. I want to talk a little bit about the matchup. Fnatic have been going downhill. I think it's safe to say in the last few days, yes, there's some redemption in the sense that they were able to win that tiebreaker, but they had a couple of really great dominating performances across the group stage and a lot of, we'll call them slip-ups because right. this is an EU podcast and we use positive terminology when we speak uh, about EU, slip-ups. Unlucky games Ooh, mm. uh, where, of course, they couldn't have done anything different. They were jet-lagged after all, having to play at 11 a.m. in the morning. Mm. Uh, That's very different from normal LCS. Oh, God, rough. Uh, but, uh, so going into this matchup, the first warning sign for Fnatic was that when Uzi said Fnatic and walked up next to Caps, Sharks came up to interview Caps, and I'm not sure how many people managed to see this on the broadcast, but it was towards the end of it. And Sharks asked, what are your chances to Caps? And the very confident, normally I will smack them 3-0 Caps, said, uh, we will try our hardest to make it a fair fight. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. I need which, by which he clearly meant, we're, we're so clearly going to win this that we'll tone it down a little bit to give RNG a chance. I, I, I need a Caps to turn around, look Uzi in the eyes, and just be like, oh, that Uzi eye. And there say in go. perfect uh, Mandarin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush you. I'm going to destroy you. And then turn back to Shox and go, I think we'll do all right. And then, Stop it, Wall. Is that how I said? Whoa. Are we? That's that's a bit strong. We can't actually verify whether this was broadcast acceptable or not. That's that the thing. It's like, what if you like someone told you wrong, and we're all just taking turns trying to pronounce some horrible, horrible expletive? There he goes. That's what he should have said. That's what we want to hear. But preferably ask a native. Come and beat me. Come and beat me. Yeah. 
But Uzi will come and beat him. That's the <laughs> no, problem. Don't, don't, don't ask him to do that. <laughs> All right. So the actual matchup. Uh, obviously, um, Fnatic did not do well against RNG if you look at the group stage games. Uh, obviously, one of the big problems was the bot lane difference uh, in the games. And that's obviously going to be a problem no matter who plays against Uzi right now, unless you're maybe playing Gorilla, uh, playing at the highest level. So Fnatic needs to find a way. And... We saw a few teams towards the last day trying to approach the RNG matchup with a counterpick support and be like, haha, look, we can try and win the bot lane. We think it can work if we can shut down Uzi. Both times, Uzi went up 20-something CS in the early game and there was probably a kill or two in there as well and he took your turret. So that didn't work uh, for, for the team. So Fnatic needs to decide if they want to try the same strategy and actually try and hard camp it or if they want to rely on Whippo who's been playing carries against Let Me, who's mainly just on tanks. I think a valid strategy um, from, you could play it from both sides, but if I was coach for red side, I would, uh, no, let's do blue side. <laughs> let's do the, the, the side that I can think of a more compelling argument well, for. Well, you need to ban the 380 carries. I think, uh, first and foremost, especially because Reckless does have comfort on Tristana, so you want to put Uzi on a um, on a champion that will three item power spikes so looking for those crit ADCs and then just try to match them there so that way you're not in trouble so from blue side you would ban Kaiza, Ezreal, Kogma okay. and then you could priority pick the uh, Karma and then flex it if you really wanted to so, so first pick Karma yeah so you would have the uh, but then you give away the Trundle so Ooh. on the other side but the thing is is with Graves, Kindred uh, available sure like, I think you're fine. Even with the Skarner, people are taking here's, Skarner into Trundle. So I don't think giving away the jungle matchup, which teams seem to be prioritizing jungle matchup before their bot lane priority, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's right, especially when you're looking across from Uzi. Have Broxa take one for the team. He's been a consistent backbone. So give the priority to securing your bot lane and denying as much as possible from Uzi. And if Reckless doesn't feel comfortable playing a, you know, uh, first power spike ADC, then at least make sure that him and Uzi are on the same footing. Mm -hmm. I think, see, the issue for me is that I think, just not to delve too much deeper into draft specifics, but I think Karma in general is not the best pick for Fnatic because I think Hillisang is at his best on anything with playmaking. I think that's where he has the most impact. And I think putting caps on any kind of supportive mid laner, uh, despite the fact that he has shown good performances. I'm not saying to do it to strengthen Fnatic. I'm saying to do it to take things away from RNG. I completely think the Karma on red side is super strong uh, for RNG, the ability to... Uh, flex pick and the ability for it to control lane. Uh, it really does provide a different dimension for the team. And I, I think you're kind of a little bit screwed whatever you ban, but I look at Karma and I think of it as a must ban against RNG. Yeah, I think it's hard for Fnatic, especially with the current AD carry pools, uh, to win pick and ban phase. I think just realistically, we should not expect Hillisang and Reckless to be able to outperform Uzi and Ming. So I am mainly looking at the other side of the map. I think Whippo has proven that he wants to play carries. I think Broxa can punish a jungle like MLXG, who is extremely random in his pathing. And Caps has been overall better performing and than Zhao Hu. The line proven that he wants to play carries. Not proven that he can play. Proven that he wants to play. Not exactly Okay, that he, he can play some of the carries for Fnatic, like the Camille. So what does a lane look like? Let's double down on losing the minimum. This idea of, of well, it's going to be a tricky time. Let's assume that they can't rapidly increase champion pools given the short turnaround. Is Rec if Reckless not playing Rageblade carries, 
and not getting Ezreal, what is he playing? Mm. Then I think you go incredibly defensive like they did with their Sivir Tom Kench, where they understood that they were going to get like hard blasted in the bot lane, but would be able to absorb the pressure. But then you have to have options, like Defishi has been saying, on the other side of the map or through caps, where if you know you're just going to stall out and they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you, something has to break on the other side of the map. Yeah, they can try that one, or they... They change it up, and like Zyra Khan can be one of them. Um, Hillisang plays a lot of different support. Supposed to be even so is Sichuani. Yeah. <laughs> Out of nowhere, which proved to be really garbage. But um, he, he's a good Alistar player, Thresh. So if, if. Because they probably take a Tristana ban. Sure. Just because uh, of the reputation. But if, if they want to go for a playmaking support. They would need a roaming mid laner, Aurelian Soul, Talia, these kind of things, and then try and hard camp the bot. But if that is not the choice for them, I think, yeah, you maybe have to just concede it and pick like Severe plus a defensive support. Problem is you you might lose that tower eight, nine minutes into the game. It's a very small window for Fnatic to snowball the other side of the map. I, I really actually I actually want to see them try the Whippo Caps focus in the early game carry style. But I also would love one game if that doesn't work of like Aurelian Soul Talia style and engage in the bot lane because that is one weakness of Uzi. He is very tunnel visioned on himself and his laning phase. For Skone, you had that interview with him. Roaming picks and ganking junglers can punish him pretty hard. I, I do agree with that. Um, I also want to see bot lanes uh, kind of sack the tower earlier. I feel like we've seen it repeatedly that bot lanes will try to hold on to it and then the inevitable dive comes through and then not only are you losing your tower, but you're also losing the two kills on top of it. Just say, screw it. If you know you're about to lose the tower, make your backs and start running up towards the top side. You're going to lose some tempo, but maybe you find a pick on the top winner. Maybe you're able, I mean, we've had a, a lot of oceans and cloud dragons. Maybe you can rotate into a rift herald, but <laughs> stop standing on that death trap and just letting it close around you. Yeah, I think relying or thinking you can out-execute in that tower dive scenario and the enemy team has so Not many more members Not at this level you. at a champion's tournament. It, realistically, while even though we have seen a few fumbles here and there, for the most part, dives have gone pretty well. And especially against, you know, a Chinese team, you can't... Reputation alone should tell you probably don't stand under the damn tower. Let it, let them have it. Unless MLXG dives in without yeah. anything. Except no. MLXG. Any other <laughs> Chinese player, you back up. You get out from that tower. I, RNG needs to underperform for Fnatic to win, and I think uh, Fnatic needs to overperform in this. Uh, damn. MLXG's like, you know when you walk down like a dark alley? <laughs> oh, it's one of those Frostcurrent analogies. It's going to be good. Okay. You know when you walk down a dark alley? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, yeah. and there's like, there's like, like a, uh, think of like a really intimidating dude. Like, what does that do? Dracos. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, Okay, Dracos in a dark alley. All right. <laughs> probably it's like, you know, like the hood up, kind of like a bigger dude. You're just like, oh man, like I'm, I'm mm -hmm. screwed. Really yeah. jacked Dracos. But, but yeah. MXG like isn't that dude. That's more like the peanut. Like you're really scared of like. Yes, peanut. That's you know what I mean. Really, he can mess a very you jacked up. Dude. And like really she, tiny adorable <laughs> jacked dude. You know this makes sense. I don't know why you. And look, she's like the crazy dude. Like you don't really the know what he's going to do. I wouldn't mess with him for sure. Yeah, kind of like whispering to himself. On the street he's corner. Like, he's got the little cut for change, but he's screaming about something, and you're not sure what. And you're like, on the one hand, I feel bad, and I want to give this guy some change and help him out, but I'm afraid to get near him. You don't know if he's harmless this, or if he's just going to. This snap. makes perfect sense because he's clearly not discussing his jungle path thing with a coach. <laughs> he's discussing it with himself. He's like, yeah, and then and then top lane level two. That's right, level two. I'll be able to do it. I'll be able to do it. GP, no chance. I love how no matter what we talk about on this. Okay, why? 
So we have a team with Uzi, we have Shao, we have so many great players to talk about. It all just goes back to MLXG. He is the, like, the He's an enigma, dude. Oh, oh, but Xiaohu is a good point, yeah. I mentioned briefly before. Caps legit can get an advantage against Xiaohu. Yeah. Yep. And that is going to be a huge thing for Fnatic. If Caps is on something where he can actually go for plays, not Karma, uh, and then he is with Broxa, who of course has learned and really has been focusing around the bot lane in the last month. There is a great chance that Xiaohu can be 0-3 in a game. The problem is just when you click tap, you need to make sure Uzi is not already killing your turret in the bottom lane because then it gets really hard. But Vag needs to be able to get to your advantage. They should not aim for late game. And then when they get that advantage, I need to see them Barons being cleared or being killed because RNG, they have messed up when they're defending around it. Here's my prediction. Through the strategy, through Caps popping off, Game 2, Xiaohu instantly going to lock Malzahar. It's going to happen. Oh, that's I true. 100%. This is Pobelter show very clearly, right? But you that can't ban it. You have no more bans I, I do want to <laughs> remind people that Xiaohu was at one point a very good man there. And he's not performing well right now. And Caps is like head and shoulders better than him right now. And but, this is the Euphoria podcast. Okay. No, here, Here's the thing, though, is that, like, I think I understand what you're saying is that, like, he could show up and he could be very strong and maybe he doesn't He's need been to... getting slowly better over the turn. He, over he doesn't need form. to be on Malzahar duty, but in theory, Reckless and Hillisang cannot play weird stuff and win a bottom lane, right? I think, like, those, there's a lot of those intangibles. Maybe, like, Whippo suddenly becomes a god at carry tops, but in the meantime, like, he hasn't shown us that yet. And so, until that point, I think the, the good news for RNG is even if he doesn't perform, right, we say put him on Malzahar duty, and I still think this is an RNG-favored matchup. No, and I agree with that. I just think it's a very basic way to break down this match. If people be like, oh, you know, if Caps just outperforms Sahu, if uh, if they can survive Uzi, or if they can maybe find priority there, when I think that Fnatic actually do have an advantage when it comes to macro, when it comes to uh, choosing or setting up some of these plays, especially around the top side, if you're exploiting mm. Let Me. Let Me's uh, read on the team right now, like, he wasn't the starting top laner for a good percentage of RNG season. It was actually relying on Zatai, but they decided to go with Carson and like she, when I thought for sure it was going to be Zatai and Let Me, because that's usually what they go around. So... Look, when a man in a dark alley <laughs> is looking at you crazy, yep. you, you bring him to the international event, Frost Grin. Outside of the top lane part, I think RNG has looked like the smarter team. Uh, they've actually been extremely good at punishing like mistakes on the map. And when they have the lead, I'm not talking about when they're behind, but when they have the lead, they've been pretty clean around Baron. And that scared me because I'm like, man, these guys always had really good players and good team fighting. And now they're playing one through one in the LPL. I go back to the King's Own Fnatic game and I'm just like, where was that? Yeah, <laughs> we need to see more of that. Uh, definitely. We need to see that, the Fnatic versus uh, Liquid Snowball. The best play that Reckless has made this entire tournament was when he was on Tristana yes. and he bounced back into agree. the bush on the backside of that red buff. He predicted where the, the jungler would be. That where was the great. Zac where the Zac was. To make sure that the Baron was 100% secured. I saw that. I was like, Reckless doesn't make Uzi's a better living play artillery that. was pretty good in the first game. Oh, that one was well. great. That was a great mana to victory. Like <laughs> yeah. 40 mana equals game over. <laughs> that was a particular Anyway, what's our predictions? Yeah, so it's... It sounds very RNG favored. We're very biased here. Uh, for LPL casters. I think Caps carries a game. I don't think it's a 3-0. But I think he does it playing a side lane. Yeah, I don't sure, think he does it in a grouped up 5v5. Agreed. It's fair. I would say 3-1 RNG. I just, I look at it and there's so many different outcomes that seem to lead to an RNG victory. And for Fnatic, if it's not Caps, I don't think Fiesta Baron Steel is going to be it. I just Are think I sure? see it. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. Don't get me wrong, but 
unless we see. I think it's a three-one, and I think it'll be an early one. Like I think it'll be in the first or second game. Okay. I don't think it's gonna be two-zero RNG, and then MXG decides Nocturne's back again one more time, baby. Like I think you never know, man. <laughs> oh, you don't. Of you don't. But uh, yeah, three-one RNG would be my prediction. Mm, the safe one. <laughs> 3 0 fanatic. Cross current. Got it. Writing it down. Because we'll the thing is, the is, I just think that, like like we've been saying, I don't think uh, Reckless has the effective champion pool ready right now for the tournament. Mm. Uh, and even if he did, he's looking at probably the best ADC in the world. And so he'd have to be on his best form, even just to survive the lane as Uzi's shown time oh, and time yeah. again. Um, Whippo has had very polarizing performances where sometimes he looks great, especially for a rookie. And sometimes, you know, the team fights look a little bit disorganized. and There's not great communication. Caps is popping off, but he also is, I think, number one in the tournament for isolated deaths because Mm -hmm. he is still very young, Mm -hmm. very raw uh, in his talent, but, you know, not quite as refined as you would expect from, you know, a veteran to to take the lead, especially in a high-pressure situation. And uh, Broxa, unfortunately, could be stuck in a situation where all of his lanes are, are losing or maybe only one of them is winning. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Frosky. I'm going 3-0 on G as well. Uh, I'm basically an EU hater at this point because I was the one who rated uh, Fnatic the lowest on our podcast uh, out of the four major region teams that we knew coming into it. Um, obviously, the TL thing ended up being under so I was wrong there but I looked at Fnatic coming into MSI and I was very concerned uh, with you know some of the things they hadn't really shown in the LCS uh, also not 100% knowing how Whipple would perform and if the two carries were actually good enough to just kind of take Fnatic to the late game and win that way and I think it's been proven that they were not uh, and not capped specifically here but obviously reckless not being able to be that carry in the late game so they need to find ways to win through the early to mid game and I'm not saying they can't do it. I just don't expect it. I think RNG look fantastic at the moment, and it is a bot lane meta, and they have Uzi. Uh, to round it out, I'm going to say 3-2. I'm also going to say RNG. Uh, Classic play-by-play caster. Wow. What? Wait, is anything wrong with play-by-play casters, Papa? They always predict five games. Do they? Yeah. Really? Why did I know one in LCK with us. Because I think 3-1. Because <laughs> we had a podcast episode where someone said 3-1 was the baby prediction. That was Reckless who said he, that. Reckless said that. He said, you don't believe that the team is good enough to take it, but you also don't believe that the other team is good enough to fight them. So I don't make 3-1 predictions anymore. Okay, but why do you believe that Fnatic are good enough to take them? I mean, I think Fnatic will get two games based on MLXG making mistakes or Reckless actually getting to that late game you status and performing. You think that MLXG making massive mistakes against Peanut and Kingzone, but yet still winning that game and coming back. You think that Fnatic would be the ability to I close think, I think, hold on. I think His one mistakes were outweighed by Kingzone. <laughs> multiple players making mistakes. Okay, yeah, and I also think that that one game sample size isn't the compelling end-all, be-all answer. Okay, then how problem. about the first time that they, or the second time they faced <laughs> Fnatic and they also fell behind but then managed to come back? Look, I didn't realize he needs to intensely defend it's his Yeah, game. okay, hold on. Oh, I know, I'm just saying. Like, you guys what? can go outside and fight as well if Look, you want. We can here, record. Here's, here's the thing, is that I think one game will come early and I think as we get closer to the end of the series, I think Fnatic will have, Fnatic will, I think, cheese... Probably at first, or maybe you wouldn't call it cheese, but they'll take a new strategy that they haven't shown before, right? And then I think they will also get one game. Where do we go from Sejuani support? <laughs> on the back of Talia. Nautilus The Talia game, or the Talia strategy, right? Where you actually have caps able to roam to side lanes. Whether that's bot to punish Uzi, or whether that's top to punish Let Me, I don't know. But I think they'll get two games that way. I don't see them winning the series, and the games that they do win, I don't see being... I see one being a stomp, and one being like a... They do 
take Sivir for whatever reason, and they get to that late game fight, and someone mispositions, and they're actually able to get a fight and just win the game. So I, for me, it's maybe more realistic that it'll be a 3-1, but I still feel like they're going to be able to find two wins. A small little side note, I think the, the couple of days now where there's no games actually benefits Fnatic more than RNG. Fnatic have a lot of things they need to figure out in terms of how they want to actually draft. Um, coming into this, I think RNG is already kind of. Oh, RNG wants to play the semi-final today. They're, they're like, to go. all right, uh, we're gonna Karma there. There's gonna be a Malzahar there. Yep, here's a Kogmor for Uzi, and let's go in game. You know that they pretty much have it figured out, and they can play almost anything. It looks like so for Fnatic, these next few days will be crucial. They play on Friday, so they don't have a lot of time. I also assume that Fnatic's going to. I mean, that means what? There's four teams left, so your scrim partner would probably be on the other side of the bracket. Fnatic scrim partners are either Kingzone or Flash Wolves. Yes. Mm. I'm Which pretty sure. I, I have a feeling that RNG and Kingzone will end up scrimming. There's a long history of Korean teams scrimming with Chinese teams. Yep. Most likely. Most Setting recently. up for a potential final. It's actually kind of an interesting thing because obviously they had their choice of opponents. They chose Fnatic. You know, the Korean best of five mystique, I'm sure, played a role. But also getting to have Kingzone as scrim partner is a nice secondary thing you get. For your choice. I will let you guys know that a bunch of the European teams have started scrimming for LCS already. So there might be some unicorns of love oh. scrims in there for Kingstone. If you want to hide I things. Actually, I'm afraid of a weird pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're going to scrim each other. I don't assume they're going to go down and scrim some of the LCS teams, but you never know. Maybe one team is taking a break for one day and you have to find someone else. Just as a final note on the Fnatic point, you talked about predicting against them. And I think it's so funny because the thing that we predicted that was like our fear for Fnatic in this tournament was them only being able to draft late game and playing for late game and not being able to make it there. And now they're drafting a lot of those late game picks and they're making it in some of the games. Not and then really. they they kind of make it. They kind of made it in a couple games, right? With with Reckless on hyper carries, right? And then they actually couldn't execute it for like the first time. But there was a point, right? Because we were like, these teams they're facing are equally good in the late game or better. Uh, so if you are a team that falls behind and relies on the late game, you don't even have an advantage there because you're playing against, you know, double lift, Uzi, Prey, these kind of players, uh, Betty in this case as well. So it's not a reliable strategy. And as we saw in some of... These games, yes, I'm just burping while I'm saying this. Uh, um, Bonus content. <laughs> there you go. You got to subscribe for that one. Uh, but um, as we saw, you know, Fnatic would go to the late game, be way further behind than they were in the LCS sometimes, and then one mistake, you would still lose the game. So that's why I don't want to see that strategy from Fnatic. I need to see the strategy they use against Team Liquid in the tiebreaker game, because that's how you beat RNG, not by saying, oh, Uzi, yes, we will totally beat your late game, because that shouldn't happen. EU has a lot of traumatic memories about trying to beat Uzi in the late game. A lot of, lot just, of Twitch picks, a lot don't. of Tristana picks. Give it up. But our next our next semifinal, uh, Kingzone Dragon X versus the Flash Wolves. This one's more up in the air for me, I'll be honest. Yeah. The Fnatic RNG one feels a lot clearer, a lot more clear-cut. Flash Wolves a little bit on the down here, and I, Kingzone's somewhere, kind of on the up. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. It's on, weird. Get into this Every part of my history in League of Legends as a caster says, vote for the Korean team. Everything in his body is just saying... Korean yeah. team, but he can't quite figure out why. I can't. Yeah, there's not really as much logic to support that as there normally is. Especially because they were kind of all over the place and reinventing themselves over the course of this tournament. And going forward and going backwards didn't necessarily seem to lead any huge benefits either way. So 
I completely understand the trepidation. And because there isn't, say, four days between groups and playoffs, like there has been at previous tournaments, there isn't necessarily that famous, you know, preparation time to really adapt. I think there's some pretty clear things Kingzone can do, but the inevitability of the Korean team storming through best of fives, maybe in hindsight there is no data point, but this does feel like the one time that it very much could be Flash was picking up the win. Like they're legit good. It's not Especially just, against Kingzone. Yeah, it's not just some, oh, BU1, blah, blah, blah. Like They've had a couple of games now where we have seen uh, when this team gets ahead, and that's kind of the key thing for me, when this team gets ahead, they are actually really, really good at taking down first, normally the bot turret, deny jungle camps, set up great vision around sword art specifically, and use that to kind of snowball the game. There will be some issues around Baron setups that are not as clean as we have seen from some team like RNG. I don't think that sideways are particularly well and, done either. And exactly. So Hanabi is an issue there. Hanabi is kind of like when they pick an Orn, it's okay because you can go mid and just force team fights. But if he's not on Orn, uh, then the tanks he's playing will suffer from this because you don't just have the instant hard engage and that is a problem. Uh, we don't know if Hanabi is going to be on carries. He was both games. He was on Camille and then Yasuo against Khan and he actually did really well in both the, the series. My concern for Flash was is I just feel like they have less options in how they want to draft. Uh, I think if they don't win the bot lane, that is an issue and then they're going to rely on Hanabi actually on a carry. And Khan now has a couple of days to figure out exactly what he needs to play and the prep should be in Kingstone's favor because they just have more tools to use. And that concerns me a little bit. I think if they would play today, it would be a very close series. And that's the thing I agree with is that it feels like we have soft flow charts of where Flash Wolves is drafting and how you could engineer an advantage against it. For example, they if they choose a tank jungler or a low presence jungler, then something like the Jace becomes a lot more viable. When this carry jungle's out there who can just gank and kill Jace largely on their own back, then it's very hard to run it. You know, Kha'Zix, for example, was a pick this tournament. Once more of a tank jungler, a trundle, more options with the Jace. So can they get a carry matchup? I feel like Khan stepping up and actually being able to flex his muscles like he could in the LCK alone might be enough because then if you say he can win whatever carry matchup and blind pick a Jace, then you can put all your eggs in the don't allow bot lane to be run over basket. I think a lot of what, what's going to depend is is how Kingzone shape up over the next few days and what strategy they can bring. I think the depth of, of what they can bring is the main thing that you're talking about and that's interesting to me because they can pull so many different things from the hat. Do you th think the most effective thing that they can do is to rely on, on Khan on the Jace? Like, if, the, if they could change any one thing, would it be just shifting Khan's performance? What do you think is actually the best way for them to play if they could if they could pick, like, let's just say, one part of their game to improve or, or to stick with from this tournament? I think they just need to stick with the early game. I think early game focus, early game picks. Sure, they tripped up um, against RNG, I believe it was, the, the Graves jungle game, mm -hmm. um, where they were massively ahead and then just ended up making stupid mistake after stupid mistake. I don't think that happens multiple times in a best of five. And I think they had the right idea there. They were one of the few teams to show this invading style with Peanut and how, what can be done that was replicated by a lot of teams. So reinforce the early game. If Hanabi is the focus of the series and Flash Wolves win, then I think that's a transcendent performance from Hanabi because while he's made it happen twice... I know that sounds like a weird thing to look over, but 
Khan's great performance for so long has to be mean something in this case. I feel like he has to hit another gear that Hanabi won't be able to match. See, the thing is, is um, I actually don't think it comes a lot down to strategy. I think both these teams have shown uh, very diverse ways to play around the game and to play through different win conditions. I actually think for Kingzone, it comes down only to performance and by performance of individual members, like their individual decision-making. Am I going to follow this teleport through? How am I going to approach this team fight? How am I going to play out this mechanical trade? Which normally they don't make these types of mistakes. So um, for me, it's just the confidence that if these two teams are playing at their very best, Kingzone, I think, is the best team in the world. They looked incredibly dominant in the LCK, but that King Zone hasn't shown up at this tournament because they are making these very strange, underperforming maneuvers that almost have nothing to do with uh, even the strategy about how they're playing the game, but simply just they they messed up there. He mechanically misplayed himself. That was a, a poor decision. It's outrageous that Peanut isn't playing, you know, last three games of this tournament, given how good he was in spring and how much of a leader he was. Cuz played five games, all split, most of them front-loaded, maybe one game in the second round, Robin, onwards. There's clearly things going on that we're not completely privy to. Uh, you have have to imagine Peanut starting a best of five, but even that's not known now. It's it's just so weird. Like feels mm-hmm. like the tell-all story might tell us more than what we can see on the Rift. Yeah, well, I, I don't think Kingston will have a big individual advantage over flash rolls. Like, I think Hanabi has proven that he mechanically, uh, in the two games we have seen, can match Khan. Uh, I think we have seen that Mabel and his performance is fantastic, oh. will not struggle against BDD individually. And we've seen the bot lane here with Sword Art and Betty, and Betty. With him especially drafting for counterpick support and strong laning AD carries... Gorilla and Prey are not the dual lane who just completely destroys them. No. Uh, so, Flash Wolves, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna co- probably come down to, to uh, so team co- uh, team calls or coordination in terms of if Kingzone can actually get a draft where BDD can roam to the side lanes, uh, and Khan is on a carry. You know, he goes top smack. That's insane. Khan is winning now. It looks fantastic. Or he goes bot lane uh, and does the same. But I think Flash Wolves will find early advantages in some of the games. And they should be able to actually pressure, especially the bottom side, uh, with the counter pick for, for Sword Art. Uh, there might have to be just on red side. Like, Kingston needs to decide do we last pick for Gorilla and try and go range versus range? Or do we just grab early time Kench, like they've done so many times before, and then we last pick for Khan or BDD if BDD wants to play Yasuo or something? Like, that's gonna be interesting to see in the, in the, in the draft phase uh, on red side for Kingston, uh, because we know Flash Wolf's strategy is bot lane win, you know, play around bottom side. Unless it is Hanabi Yasuo, baby, and he goes toe to toe with Khan and smacks him. Three zero flash wolves. Three zero flash wolves. No, baby, I don't. No, and no. I can't write that down. Well, because that's the thing is, it sounds a lot like we're we're waiting to see which version of. Because we all we all we all feel like Kingstone needs to just be really good in this best of five. It would be such a weird world if suddenly they were not. Because the last time a Korean team has lost to a non-Korean team in a best of five, are we going back to what? 2014, 15, no, MSI. MSI versus, oh, it's 2015 MSI EDG versus SKT. So EDG, SKT, 2015 MSI final. That's the last time. Long Evelyn, right? So it, yep. it Morgana mid. It's so strange. But Kingston is the team that obviously was launched last year that lost 3 0 in their BO5, but it was against another Korean team. So we can't really use that as a sample size. 
And of course, praying Gorilla G Tiger's Day against the eleventh best Chinese team. It's only best Never of forget. three. Though. That was only yeah. <laughs> Not a best of five, but certainly that something that sticks out in memory. But there is something with nerves and pressure, yeah. obviously, uh, on them. My prediction: I will say three two King Zone. Uh, I can only focus on what we've seen so far from uh, flash rolls. I, I don't know uh, how they're going to prepare for this specific game, but I think they've shown a lot of really cool strategies, and I think they are actually a legit good team that will be able to match individually what Kingstone is doing, uh, and it's going to make an extremely close series. So how, why is Kingstone winning then in the end? I think in the end, uh, Kingstone will come in and have figured out how to draft against flash rolls uh, in, in this series here, specifically how to avoid that flash rolls can just snowball bottom side. And I think Peanut and BDD together will actually be able to get a 2v2 duo where BDD can push and then Peanut can start playing more aggressive and you get that Kingzone coordination uh, we normally see. But have it's going to be close. Had, uh, have Kingzone had a Baron stolen against them? This they, tournament? No. Yeah. no. See, that's why. Like. <laughs> oh yeah, Flash was, was struggling to finish games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Flash rules, they still show, um, like they lose a lot of farm or resources in Hanabi. He doesn't, he's not as comfortable playing the sidelines or their, their wave management because um, he'll usually group with them. That was actually, I think, a strategy that Fnatic uh, cited in when they decided that they wanted to play the carry Camille up into the top lane to punish that type of play style. And then you look at uh, Flash rules and they've been fairly inconsistent with how they're setting up the Baron. Sometimes it does look beautiful and other times it it's getting stolen multiple times because they're not setting up the proper vision or, or getting over the wall and setting up their blast cone. But it feels like when King's Oof. Own get hit, it's themselves taking poor uh, decisions mm. and then they just get smashed. You know, I've never seen King's Own in a back and forth, like ping pong oriented game where it comes down to that Baron and then they just fail to set it up. So if King's Own show up, I have to have faith that it's going to be clean, it's going to be crisp, it's going to be everything that we expect from the LCK. So do you believe King's Own are showing up? And if so, what's the score going to be? I think it'll be three one King Zone. Oh, gonna be in that King Zone hype train or what? Big yeah, Papa. Papa. Big Papa. Okay. But the one thing like <laughs> you have a couple of days to press. So yeah, we still have two days of tape. To be, to, to be fair, yes. If someone changes their prediction, I expect an explanation somewhere. But also, you're making this prediction immediately after watching the group stage game. So I think it's okay if you go back and watch something or well, so find. It's eleven an angle. in the evening now, and people are <laughs> crashing. Anyway, Papa Smithy. What do you got for us? For the tournament, I said that if Kingzone played 10 best of fives against any team here, they would win all 10. And that was my confidence at which I approached the tournament knockout stage. I think it would be wrong to have that sort of confidence now. And I think there are definitely scenarios where Flash Wolves wins because I think if Flash Wolves wins game one, even though we had all these, we actually had an LCK playoff of a team would win the first game and then get reverse swept 3-1. Three, three um, even the mental fortitude seems to be up in the air given they can't even field the same roster and Cuz was not a competitive sub with Peanut during the tournament. I'm still going to say Kingzone just because to me they do have a very diverse way of winning and if they can't in two days see how Flash Wars wins games then it's not like... I feel like the prep for RNG is a lot more difficult <clears throat> than the prep for Flash Wars. So I'll say 3-1 as well, but a lot less confident than I was a couple of weeks ago, that's for sure. I just don't know what it means if 
in such a stacked LCK, King Zone could walk away with it. That they've struggled so much at this tournament. Gap is closing, baby. Styles are definitely <laughs> the styles clash here is definitely not. You think of every previous tournament, and teams would throw their meta at the Korean team. The Korean team would bounce off, and it was like or they would just pick that's it up never going to work. Or they would assimilate, like you mentioned. This time, because it's kind of the everyone's got their thing. Like it almost feels like every team has a signature pick where you're like, don't give those guys that. It's so different that uh, we're still not closer to knowing if there is a tournament meta. So I, I do think 3-1. I do think Kingzone wins, but we're in, a, we're in Bizarro World already, that's for sure. I'm going to be the only person to say Flash Wolves. And I think ultimately there's the world where Kingzone shows up 100%. You're right, no, but here's the thing. I think the fact that Cuz has already come in for so many games towards the end of the thing is, is not a good sign. And the fact that the team... Uh, has been struggling in a way that I don't think they've experienced in a while. The weirdest thing is I think Occam's Razor is on your side more than it is on us because just like when I predicted Samsung over SKT, I think this historical, it's always been that way thing is getting weaker and weaker as te as regions level up more and more. And I think right here, if you look at the two games, both convincing Flash Wolves wins littered with mistakes. Are you ready for hot take? Hot take that in, I want to say three years, the LPL will be the strongest region in the world because of the sheer amount of money and population that is pumped into the region. I think it is simply a matter of time that if we believe this idea of um, the largest infrastructure, the most money, the most players that are coming through, that the teams will get more and more competitive, that ultimately China should become the strongest region in the world. It's not that hard to take. I've heard multiple people who I respect say... People will look historically at the Korean, you know, Korean uh, reign of of supreme supremacy in the history books and laugh because the Chinese reign once it starts will be longer. And I can understand that just because if half the numbers you read are true, the game is so monumentally larger that eventually that has to be true. Is the I'm just asking here, like um, attitude or. <laughs> kind of worth work ethic in in the LPL is that kind of the same as you see from a Korean player because that's always kind of been the big thing of why they can always dominate these yep. different games it's just like the culture and, and and how serious you take the practice part is that the same in China um, I don't have as much experience with uh, Korean culture I have coached both a Chinese and Korean player before as well as North American players but that's still a very small uh, base of it in my experience um, kind of peeking behind the curtains at Chinese organizations, uh, there's definitely a big shift. There's certainly a gap where some Chinese organizations are just as scattered as the West, um, but there are also the upper echelons that are very, very serious. And um, it is not a... How do I say this politically? Hmm. I don't know if... I think it would have just... They're very, very professional. Um, and they're... There is a shift, and I do believe it because there are these giant machines that have put the cogs in and are turning. Yeah, because that seems to be what's really missing for a lot of regions. People always talk about that, you know, being a big difference. RNG is a perfect example. Their former coach, Firefox, I 
is now their general manager. And more and more, we're seeing the recognition and importance of from a general structure rather than just a coach. Because a lot of teams would be like, just get a good coach, get an analyst and get, you know, like your superstar players and go. And the Chinese organizations are saying, no, 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 we need someone at the very top that is having much more control about every single facet that is mm. going into these players' lives in terms of training facilities, uh, food, translators, coaching staff, uh, conflict resolution, things like that. And so you're starting to see more importance move to those back-end things, which then, you know, floods down into the leagues getting more professional, more safety, and more players. I do think, you know, you look back at 2015, where obviously the, the Korean influx of players came in, and you say the mixed-language rosters experiment clearly didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there was the halo effect because EG won MSI, and that was a massive thing. But after that, clearly... It wasn't working, and now, many years later, there are still the very assimilated Koreans who picked up the Chinese language and rookie, of course, the prime example there. Um, so not not talking about them, but it seems like it shifted from these great players from great squads will come in and dominate and level us up. Didn't seem like that paid off on the international scale. Now it seems, okay, the infrastructure around the Korean teams, maybe just doing walkthroughs and understanding what a good org looks like, what good training looks like, what good coaching looks like. It seems like that more so has both involved Korean players and also just a, you know, a, a fusion ethos into how to play and learn around the game. And now you're seeing the second round of not necessarily globalization, but, you know, kind of bringing in the best theories and practice from World League of Legends and that seems to be helping the teams. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more Korean coaches and like Korean managers that are hanging around um, in terms of the actual talent. Because, again, I think it's a very interesting point. A lot of people be like, yeah, of course, uh, the Chinese scene will eventually take over. They're just going to take all their money and they're going to buy out all of the Korean superstars. And it's no, no, no. What we actually found this split is just like an EU where you guys had this huge influx of rookies. The LPL had a huge influx of rookies. Mm-hmm. And a overwhelming majority were all Chinese. We had like four Korean rookies actually come into our uh, into our league, and the teams are moving farther and farther away from that because they do prioritize being able to speak Mandarin. It's exciting to hear about the developments in LPL and to see their growth as a region. And I think RNG is a very tangible example of that in this tournament in terms of how dominant they've been, uh, despite a few hiccups, for sure, in their group stage performance. Now, we, we've predicted the semifinals for finals, I don't want to go in detail because there's too many variables, right? There's four potential teams that could be there. But I do want to know who you guys think will take the tournament in the end. And in Euphoria tradition, I'd like to put a little wager on it. A little bet. Now, in the past, esports shows have had the Lord bet. Where if you lost? Those words mean nothing to me. Yeah. All right. If you lost the bet, you'd have to refer to whoever beat you in the, the wager as Lord whatever for the rest of the year. In this Lord case, Lord Big Papa. Lord Deficio, yeah. Lord Big Papa. However, I want to make it interesting. I like to pick a more... Lord has been done. We need a different title. Okay. And I think you should pick your title that you want to be referred to Ooh. if you win. Can I pick it after I win or do I have to pick it now? Pick it now because it's more entertaining and then people know what you're playing for here. Is this... Uh, is it has this... to be broadcast friendly because oh, okay. you're expected to do it. And... But this is after the final, so it'll what only be in your domestic far? region. you must refer to me as lord fart (laughs) no fart (laughs) no fart pick your title tell me who's gonna win the tournament 
And when there's someone... So I'm saying RNG will win the tournament. I think RNG will win. Cut, you can't take my... Get off my... That's... Whoa, am I going to take Fnatic? <laughs> like, we clearly have to group I thought this together. was Euphoria. Yeah. We have to group together, right? So, like, me and Frost against, I assume, Big Papa over there. Fnatic, baby. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously saying King Zone. Uh, predictable as always with these I mean, cool I was say, casters. Just one v one. We don't. It doesn't. Everyone doesn't have to be involved. But I, I think everyone I'll side with be. Papa if Papa wants to predict King Zone. What? King Zone, baby. But mm-hmm. I predicted Flash Wolves. So this all just feels backwards. <laughs> so you, wait, do you predict <laughs> Great host we have over here. Yeah, sorry, didn't really plan for the bet. <laughs> Did you, are you going Flash Wolves then? You are literally inting right now. Why am I inting? So you're saying the winner of Flash Wolves King Zone will win the tournament? No, I don't think Flash Wolves will win the tournament. I, I think uh, to be fair, the safe bet is RNG. But I'm going to side with King Zone because I believe in Papa Smithy. Safe bet is RNG. All right, we got two King Zone over there, and we got two. We're just trying to set up some drama here. All yeah, right? RNG. Can you over let it here. go? Eventually, we need to leave. You can't fight me on everything, you know? <laughs> so, titles. That's really hard. I'm His Highness. His Highness. His Highness, his highness or His Heine? His Anus? His, his Highness. Anus? So, let's go with the regal title, His Highness. His so, highness. are you His Highness Papa Smithy That's when we right. referred it when That's they referred right. you on broadcast? His Highness Papa that Smithy. That is a. So this is for the entirety of the regular season. I want entirety. entirety. Well, you don't necessarily have to mention me every His day. Highness. Uh, I want a pompous over the top now. Well, I you want, need like, to decide. I'm trying now. to think. Of, can someone come up with a good the one? Uh, do I, do I need to set up? <laughs> All right, the buttress. <laughs> oh, right, right. Wait, no, it's the buttress of LPL Frostkirin. It has to be the entire title. That's a long title. title. Yeah. That's 1907 Fitterbache. Let's go. Oh, I should have 1907 as mine. 1907. I've got a timer going here. You got another 20 seconds. <laughs> All right, come on, guys, help me out here. You guys are. Oh, like, no, you need to decide if yeah, you're the native speakers with the great titles. So give us a Danish one that we can pronounce. Mm, no, all the Danish ones. Isn't are there bad. like a, the Bane? Bane <laughs> way, of uh, Bane. Isn't that a... That's I don't know what that a, that's is. That's a Batman Bane? character. That's the Batman dude. But don't they have Fane, Bane? No. I don't know any of these European funky words. I, I thought about just doing King Deficio, because it just sounds good, but I kind of want sausage or pulse in there somehow. What about the word moose? You like that one? Ooh, that's a good one. You guys need to refer to me as Moose on the Loose <laughs> Deficio. Moose on the okay. Loose Deficio. Moose on the Loose Deficio. <laughs> there you go. That's a great one. Thank you, Frost. <laughs> What do I do? Wait, how do we decide who's the winner between Deficio and I if we both picked RNG? Well, then they both have to call us that. Then we both have to call you that, and you guys can call each other whatever you want. Oh, okay. I like this. This Good one, Moose on the Loose. Deficio. You don't have to use this title, though. You're saying, I need a title. It has to be real bad. He has to call (laughs) me that for the entire year. How about (laughs) Sifo? Oh, that's a horrible one. Oh, man. Oh, God. It just reminds me of the time when Shut he... Shut up, God. We can't have this discussion. Oh, my God. The greatest so thing is, is that was so obvious from a mile away, and you just walked right into what? it. It's been years. He Let comes into the office when he joins the EULCS, and he's called CFA at the time, and we all like, ooh, that name is pretty shit. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, and he tells us, well, my name is Daniel Dracos. Okay, and we're just like, how about Whoa. the artist formerly known as CFA, <laughs> comma, Dracos? <laughs> It's good. That's pretty good. I like that. That is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
let's do that. I like that. The artist formerly known as Sifa. So what do we got? And you have to say it right here. You have to say the Sifa. No mispronunciation. Sifa. With Dracos. I know. This happened. Did you tell him Dracos? Yeah. Did you tell him Dracos? I can't no, remember. No, Papa Smith is the one who told uh, and was like, dude, you need to change your name. And I was like, that's fair. The entire Eagle Broadcast team was like, you should call yourself Dracos. He was we like, independently oh, sorry, told I don't hear that. you. I'm calling myself Sifa. We independently told him that. Okay. Well, I'm glad he changed because Drake Wait. is the greatest caster name of all time. Please announce us to the party. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to the podcast, predicting in favor of RNG yeah. as the winners of MSI 2018. It is the moose on the loose himself, Deficio, <laughs> and the buttress of LPL, <laughs> Frost Gurren. Now over here in the corner of people who like to be right... Boo. Is His Highness Papa Smithy and me, the artist formerly known as Sifa, <laughs> aka Dracos. <laughs> MSI is happening this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Two semifinals followed by a final. That is a quick turnaround time, folks. You can watch it. Watch.loesports.com, I think. Is there any kind of. What if we're all wrong and someone that isn't Kingsum or RNG sport. wins? Uh, do we all have a penalty? Realistically, will that happen? What, we have to come up with like a special phrase to describe MSI because we'll have to talk about MSI. I kind of like a a dunce phrase for us. We, we can get the fans to decide that, and we can figure. Fans, it out. if neither of these teams end up winning, submit your names for MSI for MSI our titles that we have to refer to each other as. We'll probably have to keep it for a short amount of time. For Let's a short amount of time, weeks. Let's say two weeks. Yeah, regular season. And we will vote on the best three as a group, and we will put them in a Twitter poll, and then we will decide what the title is. So that's a little so the title of all of MSI. So, yeah, so, so when we're like, this happened at, so, at yes. blah, 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 MSI. MSI. So if you are on Twitter, uh, I guess with the hashtag, hashtag Euphoria, we'll brand it. You can tweet at Pop Smithy, Frost, yeah. or Fisher, or myself. We'll kind of figure out which ones we like the best, and we'll make a poll to vote on it. We'll show you that poll also on Twitter. So if you're not on that platform, get on it if you want to vote. Um, yeah, and then you guys will get to make up whatever horrible name we have to keep for the first two weeks. Of course, we're going to pick ones that are broadcast appropriate, uh, so don't suggest anything too horrible. But if you want to toe that line, I respect you. You know, find find that middle ground where, we're, where we have to ask our producer for permission to use that title, you know? So shout out to you, audience, if you can make that work. Uh, until then, this has been episode 14 of the Euphoria podcast. Thank you, Frost Kern and Papa Smith, for coming on. I know it's been an incredibly long day. Uh, and Davisio, you, know, you can call me Moose on the Loose. <laughs> the, the, the Moose on the Loose. You've been here, and I appreciate you. And we'll figure out how to deal with Hussein Moose. Be. His name might <laughs> yeah. also be the Moose. Steal his name. <laughs> in the future. Until then, uh, we'll see you guys in June when we return. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>